Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Questionable to Return podcast. As always, I'm Andy with my buddies, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Pete. Hey, howdy, hi. Well, see you later, guys. I got to catch a plane. Have a good one. All right. <laughs> that was fun. Well, I'm back. Oh, he even turned the lights off on us. That's all right. I can read. <laughs> I back. think his power went out. Okay. What do we do if the power goes out? We don't even know. Uh, brace the doors from zombies doors. attacking. Yeah. <laughs> so, hello, everybody. Andy uh, has anal sneezing. Snow, so uh, he's not going to be here. I would hope he doesn't have that because he's, he's about to go on an airplane. Yeah, no, I hope <laughs> he, he doesn't. It'd be the so worst if place. You, for that. If you missed our last episode, we talked about um diarrhea a lot. So um, yeah, it wasn't. It was pretty interesting. But I have some notes about the episode. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Mike. Um, I guess not all these apply because Andy just left. But you you started out with an impression of me. <laughs> Which I like that. I like pretending to be me, but I think you need to work on it a little bit. You need to be more monotone yeah. and more quiet. Okay. So when you're doing an impression of me, just channel okay. that the world bores and annoys you at all gotcha. times. Okay. I, I, got, I got it. it. I'm going to try it. Okay. okay. Hello, everybody. No. That was a little, a little that was, better. That was a little better. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Yeah, that's good. I can see it in your eyes. Hello, right? everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think I got it now. I'll remember. And then my other note, Dothrakic sword? <laughs> <laughs> that was no, awesome. I think that might actually that might be, be correct. Aren't the, if Dothraki? you're, if you're Dothraki, Dothraki, if you're the Dothraki, wouldn't your, your oh, yeah. weapons probably be Dothrakic? <laughs> yeah, maybe that is right. I think that actually sounds like it's right. Oh my right. gosh. Holy cow. That, yeah, no, that, yeah. that does sound right. Yeah. So I think that one was actually right. Wow, no corrections on that. No corrections needed. It was pretty great, the yeah. Dothraki period. <laughs> yeah, I know, you got that <laughs> Dothraki period. But then I was like, wait, maybe that's what their stuff is called. I think it would be. So. Okay, yeah, we'll, right. we'll roll with it. We'll ask D.B. Weiss. <laughs> yeah, well, some people have a lot to say to those guys. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. So um, you were gone. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of work going on, huh? I've been working overtime pretty much uh, every day this week. That's great. Mm-hmm. And now we're down Andy. Yeah, for the first time ever. So First time ever. And he's usually like the the host, so to say, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just looking at each other like, what do we do? Yeah, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Just look at his empty chair from time to time. I know you guys said that. Sometimes you just look over expecting... <laughs> expecting Mike to say something. Yeah. No. So we'll probably do the same thing, expecting Andy to say something. So we got a couple topics on, on our plate. Well, I do appreciate you guys showing some restraint when it came to Game of Thrones. I know you referenced it, which was fine. It was hard to not talk about it. But as you saw, I have a ton of notes on this. Oh, yeah. I have I have quite a bit. I know I'm going to be all over the place probably, so we'll, we'll probably try to stay in order with Game of Thrones for sure. Yeah, because I, uh, I did watch the episode two more times, and then like all I could think about at work was that, so I just started scribbling down 
the notes of a madman because uh, I'm so into the show. You know how you, I was into uh, Mount Everest? I, yeah. I read a couple books, watched a TV show about it. That kind of ended now that Game of Thrones came back. Game oh. of Thrones is all I can think about. Yeah. No, it's uh, been pretty amazing. Like, I don't watch, I used to watch a lot of TV shows, and for some reason, I don't know, life got busy, and I stopped watching a lot. So I, uh, I, I even watch, I like, rewatch shows all the time, like Parks and Rec, and I haven't <laughs> even gone through that stuff because I'm so, I want to be so concentrated on Game of Thrones and have yeah. all my attention on it and remember everything. So I've, I'm actually going back and watching, I've watched almost all of season one. I think I've watched all of season one. Uh, so far, uh, kind of off and on, I fall asleep here and there. It's not a big deal, but I just want to pick up little things here and there. Well, and and it's amazing how much from season one is in just in that, that, that third episode. I just cannot believe. Not today. Yeah. Not today. From Serio. That's from. Not, yep. The Brav- Bravosian, the dancer. Yep. But that, that point too, like not today learning that. And then she runs out of there and has a choice to fight with her wooden sword. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have needle because they took needle from her. Yeah. Or run away. And she chooses to run away. Where in episode three, we can get into it. Obviously, she decides when she says, not today, she decides. She gets all stoic. Yeah. It's many like, face God kind of way. And, it's like uh, she realizes she has to be the one to, uh, to at least attempt to kill the Night King. Right. So we will get into that. Also, what do we have on our plate? We have Packer Draft, maybe? Packer Draft. I do have a decent amount of notes on that. Okay, good. Because as I said last time, I'm not very much into the draft. I do have uh, all the stuff up, so I have a little bit of here and there comments, of course, but we'll get into that. And then the Bucks play. Uh, That's my one other note from... They do play tonight. We're recording this before the game. My other note was you guys were getting me uh, triggered talking about the Bucks, the disrespect for the Bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Huey Brown, I'd been listening to the ESPN radio where it's they, amazing. They're talking about why they were pick. Like one of the guys was talking about why he was picking the Celtics, and he played a clip of I think Doris Burke on some ESPN show talking about why she's picking the Celtics to win, and it did kind of get me going. Then with you guys talking about. Hubie Brown, lack of respect. It's like getting all fired up just at work. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, I think, too. Huh? Yeah. So just a little bit, because I want to hear your comments on uh, game one and game two and, and going into the rest of the series. Of course, we hear that Brogdon is quote-unquote out tonight. Um, that can change before the game. Yeah. But um, I, I think they just are playing it safe uh, for sure. So. Yeah, he's uh he's been practicing quite a bit. He seems so close. I think they don't want to rush it, especially if it was must win. If the Bucks had lost Game Two and this was really do or die, they might try to bring him back. But right, I think just stay the course. They're so deep they can get by without him. So first off, I think I want to just hit on the Brewers really quick. Um, we did talk a little bit on our last podcast about them, but it looks like Chase Anderson laceration on his finger on the, on the IR. Now Freddie Peralta comes back up and gets shelled. Uh, Corbin Burns gets shelled. It's, uh, it's not looking good, Mike. What do you, what are you thinking over the last week? 
Uh, the pitching is such a concern. Uh, I know that that game, the Chase Anderson not pitching game was a weird one. Yeah. I guess uh, council found out real close to game time that... How do you lacerate your finger? It, it was a blister that popped. Oh. And uh, they, it was bleeding okay. really badly. They I didn't know Ben Sheets was back. <laughs> yeah. Or he had fingernail issues, hangnails. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, they said the bleeding wouldn't stop and there's just no way he's going to be able to be effective, so... Uh, how do you, how don't you notice a blister? I, I guess he was. La- I mean, I guess they probably. Pitched. I guess he was pitching through it, but oh man! But uh, that's when Council told Stearns to activate Burns that night. Burns had just gotten off a plane at five o'clock. Oh, okay. And he asked. See, I didn't see that. Stearns, if you could call the call the office and get him activated because we want to use him tonight, and that's why Jacob Barnes started. Right. Just so Burns could have more time to warm up because he hadn't he'd been on a plane all day. He flew in. No wonder why he sucked. Yeah. He I feel bad for saying that. <laughs> he hadn't thrown a baseball, so then he kind of gets thrown in there and doesn't look good. Uh, more concerning is how bad Peralta pitched. Oh, man. Like, I just think they have to just... Just send them down. Yeah, t- turn the rotation back over to the veterans. You got to have... Geo Gio it. Looked, looked pretty good Gio for five innings. Have Gio... Chase has been fine. Chase. Z- uh, Zach Davies. I was oh, called him yeah. Davies. Davies. He's our ace. <laughs> He's our ace, yeah. Uh, he's got an ERA of like one. Yeah. He's got the best ERA in the NL, doesn't he? Something yeah, he like might, that. Yeah. I think he does. It. I mean, that's shocking because we thought he was a guy that could get cut almost. Not really cut, but sent to the bullpen at least. And now he's, he's looking really good. He's looking like the pitcher that we thought he could be when we got he, him, what, from yeah. the Orioles? Yeah. I think uh, no one wanted to believe in him because he doesn't throw hard. You never see him go out there and impress you with his you know his stuff in terms of velocity right and i think that kind of throws everyone off when you're a guy who just doesn't throw hard but paints the corners it's not quite as exciting but uh he makes it work we really need him yeah definitely because the uh um what am i thinking of shasin he hasn't had a great great april no he has not been he good. did pitch pretty well um he got the win what it was it monday i believe so, I mean, he looked okay, but I just hope they can turn it around. It, it's The schedule doesn't get easier for, for May, like you said, no. like we said earlier in another podcast, but it doesn't get, early, doesn't get much better. They play the Cubs, they play Phillies, I believe, Atlanta, I think, too. Yep. So you got a lot of tough tough teams coming up. Hopefully they can just tread water, stay around 500, I hope. I don't want no big losing streaks. Stay around 500, see what June brings, because June brings a little bit uh relief. Marlins, easier yeah. teams. So they've and, had the toughest schedule in the, in the NL, I believe. So it, it, it's, it's impressive with all the injuries they've yeah. had that they've kind of stayed above 500. Well, with all the games against the Cardinals and the Dodgers, those are two best teams in the National League right now. And I'm hoping some of this too could just be the Brewers did change both pitching coaches and add a new catcher that maybe there's some growing pains combined with injuries that yeah. that they'll kind of sort this out as the season goes on. I do think the catcher makes a huge difference. Yeah. Because that's, that's the guy that's making the calls. Granted, sometimes they look into the bullpen, and some catchers do look into the bullpen, and they get calls that way. But pretty sure Grandall's calling the game, and he's just mm-hmm. not. He, it seems like sometimes he's not calling a good game, but who knows? I the the pitchers aren't making their pitches, yeah. so it's it's it goes both ways. 
But then, yeah, it comes down to that leadership. Is that leadership lacking? Um, for sure, because that was something that was a, a constant last year or the year before, too. You know, they had these pitchers just come out of nowhere because of why. Well, coaching brings up those, those you know, mid-tier players and makes yeah. them even better. So that's what a coach is supposed to do, and maybe maybe they're lacking there. Maybe that's that's what they're missing most is is their pitching coach. So we had some NFL stuff hap- stuff happen, right? The draft. That's what I hear, right? The draft. The draft. Um, kind of a culmination of the winter. And kids getting ready to play football. People get excited about this, I guess. They watch it's... they watch people lift weights and run and go around cones. And it seems like the most boring day of my life. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. But people get really excited. And I'm sorry, I just really don't like the draft. No. Um I enjoy seeing what players we get for sure, but I just I can't watch it. Y- you I, wouldn't be one of the whatever 100,000 people that were stand- lining up the streets of Nashville just to just to try to get a glimpse of the stage. No. <laughs> no, you wouldn't stand there. It's kind it of doesn't rem- seem very thrilling it to kind, me. It's kind of reminiscent of like uh New Year's in Times Square where these people are just just standing pack- to watch a ball drop. Yeah, yeah they're pa- <laughs> packed in there to just like look at a stage far away. But... Look at a what, 60-year-old man just announce a name. But hey, I love no, the draft right. too. I I get it. I get it. It I I do love seeing what players are coming in, what the Packers have done, what trades they make. I just don't enjoy watching other teams. You know, I don't I don't Yeah, I, just... I don't keep interest in in specific players for each, needs for each team and a lot of people do that, but Yeah. Which you you do you do you I'll do me yeah you just but, care about the Packers guys yeah well I do have a couple little interesting tidbits from the draft as a whole after the uh, the trade for Rosen to Miami hey well I brought oh. in oh you got your I got yesterday I got the Sports Illustrated it says wild cards pretty much has With... the picture of Rosen last year getting his jersey ripped and right in the middle course that's a that's a well done cover yeah i like it kyler murray number one so with rosen going to the dolphins you realize then the whole afc east other than the patriots has top 10 quarterback picks from last year all in the division josh allen josh rosen and uh wow and sam didn't even think about that yeah that's crazy. <laughs> that also makes all the first-round quarterbacks from last year's draft are now all in the AFC. Wow. So this year, of course, all the first-round quarterbacks end up in the NFC. That Ky- makes sense. Kyler Murray, uh, the Duke quarterback, Jones. Yeah. Jones, um, he made sense at what, number six? six? Yeah, yeah, that made had total perfect sense. sense. And Good job, Giants. Haskins at uh, 15. Yeah, Haskins. He seems like he's got a chip on his shoulder already. Oh, yeah. He he's he is ready to set the NFL on fire. Yeah, that seems like a Jamarcus Russell. And no, then, I'm Haskins is better than Jamarcus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I thought Haskins looked fantastic. So it was times. 17, right? 17, or where did where was he drafted? F- 15. 15. So it's not like you're drafted where Rodgers was or, or in the second round. Yeah, I mean 15 isn't terrible. Right. I think it's uh, every mock 
that had been coming out had the Giants taking him. So. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, definitely the Giants should have taken him. Okay, go ahead. So that's the thing. But what's interesting is I've heard a lot of people say, too, the Packers should have traded down at from 12 because the rumors were the Packers wanted Devin Bush. The Steelers jumped up to get him, jumped ahead of... The thing is, though, even if the Steelers hadn't traded up, I think the Bengals would have taken him. But everyone was saying trade down. I think the only team that would have been willing to move up to 12 was Washington to get Haskins, and they just they decided to just wait it out and see if he fell because Denver had just traded with Pittsburgh. They're the ones that traded back. So I don't know if they really felt they had to right. trade yeah. up. So and is, isn't, aren't, isn't the money different now? They used to do like top five. We got so much money. Now it's more of a, a leveled out yeah, they, for the first round at least. They, yeah, it's, it's slotted now where it's, it's a tiny bit less each draft spot. So now but, it's just a monetary number as in you got picked 15 where you're, you're making like, what, $20,000 less. Or not that, but. Yeah. So should you be really be that mad? No, but I don't know. I guess some of these guys, yeah, they find a way to take it personally. But that can be a good. So thing. now he's with the Redskins, gonna play against the Giants a lot. Yeah. So that should be a fun little get little your, thing there. Yeah. Get Both your, those rookie cookie rookie cookies. <laughs> rookie, yeah, the rookie, rookie cookies. Cook. Uh, oh, you're, turn, you're turning into me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be fun. Fun game. Uh, see if Haskins holds a grudge against uh, against the Giants all time. Hey, there's some people who, you know, that article came out that said, you know, Rodgers had a grudge against McCarthy going back to the draft. San Francisco had uh, Alex Smith as the better quarterback, and McCarthy was on that staff. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe it could be a good motivator, unless, of course, the guy becomes your coach later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting thing. You don't think about it as much because you're like, oh, he was just mad because... Uh, Rodgers was wasn't picked by San Francisco, but I mean McCarthy was a big voice in that yeah. room. So, and now he he got both of them, and you don't think about it. Yeah, he was but, supposed to be the the QB whisperer, McCarthy, and uh, he had said he thought Alex Smith was a better prospect. So, yeah, I mean, Alex Smith might have might have fared better if he had consistency at at coach. Yeah. Because he's not a bad quarterback. No, he's been he's been fine. He's not uh, a number one. But. No, that's the thing. If he wasn't the number one overall pick, he would have been just viewed as like, oh, a nice had a nice career. If he was like a third round pick, like Russell Wilson, he'd be like, oh, Alex Smith, nice career for a third round pick. But I since think, he's number one, I know there's some quarterbacks out there that that do really good in that first first year. Not a lot. <laughs> first couple of years though. But yeah. maybe first one or two years. I mean, of course, Mahomes is like the golden child, or or Newton probably is another one who who started off pretty well. Yeah, I would say. Um, so, but I really think Rogers kind of needed that humbleness that that I have to sit, and he needed that fire within because maybe he was like cocky of himself and and all that. Yeah. So, I if he was with San Francisco, maybe he's not as good. Though, so I mean, there's so many factors that you can throw into that. So I think, of course, the Lord of Light said (laughs) Rogers is the prince that promised for the Packers, right? Or uh, like Bran said to Theon, everything you've done has brought you to this point. 
Maybe Rodgers wouldn't have been the MVP if he hadn't sat behind Favre, been taken by the Packers, there all you that. Go. So he's Jon Snow working in Game of Thrones. Perfect. Again. <laughs> so the Packers don't trade down. They take who they said was the best defensive player on their board, Rashawn Gary. Uh, I was surprised at how many people didn't like this pick. Yeah, a lot. It was. It seemed a like, lot of people hated this pick. Risky pick for sure. It is. Uh, he was a former like I think. It wasn't even number one high school player by some accounts coming out and going to Michigan. And he only had like nine and a half sacks in his career. And I think that's the thing that worries people the most Mm -hmm. is the lack of production. But he did play kind of a weird hybrid position. They used to call him tweeners in the draft in the early 2000s. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I've heard it. Referred to as Elephant End, as there the guy go. who can, he'll, but he's going to line up for the Packers at defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker. They're going to try to bring him from, from different every, angles. Yeah, everywhere possible. But his job is just to get to the quarterback. He needs to know that, that yeah. no matter where you are on the field, you need to just get to the quarterback. So I hope he can, you know, <laughs> serve number 52 a little bit better <laughs> well played by clay <laughs> matthews too oh come on the, the tweet i i took that all in fun uh, it's fun but come on <laughs> body, that's ridiculous he's not even cold <laughs> that was really that was funny but i don't know if he's really if but if he is really mad seriously dude <laughs> yeah dude yeah if you get the chip off his shoulder if that wasn't meant to be funny then yeah i hate it but if he was just <laughs> trying to be funny i think he's trying to be funny yeah but i i uh like the Rashawn Gary pick, I think we just we need a guy like this to make Pet and System work. I was excited about Zadarius Smith because he had the potential to be that lineup everywhere guy. Because Petten likes to bring as many different fronts and different looks as possible. There's a ton of rotating guys in and out. It's it's part of his philosophy. When you have the guys, we just haven't had the guys with Petten. Right and. The difference between Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary is Rashawn Gary is a first-round pick, high first-round pick kind of athlete, and Zadarius Smith isn't quite that kind of guy. So I think this this gives the Packers at least the potential for to really get the most out of Petten's scheme. Is we have to have this big-time athlete, even if it's a risky pick, he could be a bust, he could be boomer bust. Mm-hmm. We need that athlete. So yeah. I like the pick. I like it too. Uh, Packers scout Joe Huber said he's got rare gifts, a guy that has size that can run speed, has moves on his feet. You know, he's kind of a freak. He can really bend, kind of get through the line really well probably. So, yeah, I think there's situations in college that happen that, I mean, you get put in the wrong spot and you're not going to see the success, mm-hmm. um, especially with Michigan. There's so many good players probably on that defense. So. Yeah, I, it's a lot of competition, but you I mean the guy who ran a four five eighty was the third fastest edge edge guy defensive end defensive lineman edge rusher who ran in Indy. So Montez Sweat and Brian Burns were the only ones that were faster than him. So and yeah, um, and, you need that speed, especially and, in the NFL. And Gary's a big guy. He's six four two seventy seven is his listed size. And yeah, that's the, something that the Packers did with with Preston Smith, the Smith guy, the Smith brother, Smith brothers, Smith mm-hmm. and Smith and Company. Let's. We gotta figure something out with that. Yeah, but um, my nickname Smith Strong. But uh, yeah, so both those guys, 
they're they're both really just big beasts. They're yeah. they're all like Julius Peppers kind yeah. of when you think of it. It's a lot of big and long guys that seems to be the uh, mold they're looking for with this uh with this defense now. So yeah, it's it's a boomer bust, but you take that risk at twelve. Yeah, that's what you do. This guy could be a freak. You yeah. never know. And I know the there's criticism the Packers go defense like every year in the draft and not all these guys pan out and that can just be the difference from all the years they picked like 25th versus now picking 12th is usually these guys are gone by the time you get to the end of the first round. Right. So Packers really haven't had a crack at like a real big time athlete. So what did you think of uh, their other first round pick? Darnell Savage. Again, another pick that some people probably didn't agree with, but I think a lot more people did agree with it, mm-hmm. I would think, right? Um, I loved it. I think it's something that they needed. I think it's something that fits perfectly with Amos, to be totally honest. His speed yeah. guy, a really ball hawk kind of guy, um, he ran, he's a f- <laughs> just very fast, four three six and a 40. And, I mean, by comparison, you look at HaHa. Who ran a four five eight in the forty? Same same as uh, Rashawn Gary, right? <laughs> Talking speed wise. Talking speed wise, and that's of course speed is not relevant to pad speed. It's totally different because mm-hmm. I ran a tor- terrible forty in high school, but my speed on the field was much better. It's just it it works out differently. But he is a very fast player. He plays fast. He didn't have a lot of interceptions. He's a little short, but I think he'll be fine in that that free safety roaming kind of position. That that. Collins speed we've been lacking in that spot for sure I also like the aggressiveness of Gutekunst of they decide no safeties had been taken yet by 21 we're going to trade up and we're going to get the guy we think is the best safety in the draft instead of sitting back or even trading down and be like we'll just take whoever's left when it gets to us, because a couple safe, there's kind of a cluster of safeties there. Right. But I like going but for the guy. But safeties were kind of lighter this year, right? Yeah. It was more of a defensive end lineman kind of kind of. Yeah, draft. it was. But I do like them just going for it with getting the guy they consider to be the best instead of settling. And I mean, one of the ways they traded up was by giving up the pick we got for HaHa Clinton Dix. That was one of the picks we gave away, and the not, other one not a bad deal. You trade. Yeah. Trade one guy for one guy. Yeah. Seems like a better athlete, maybe a little bit smaller, but it's not like HaHa really stuck his head in there and wanted to hit anybody. Yeah. Granted, mm-hmm. he, I think he gave up on some plays. Yeah. So we'll, we'll he, see if he does anything with Chicago. He definitely did, or he'd take like really bad angles. Really, yeah. Terrible just, angles. Just, yeah, just make dumb mistakes like that. So uh, you got to feel at least optimistic. The defense adds in free agency three new players to the front seven free agency plus a draft three new players to the front seven and two safeties i mean the defense is going to have a completely different look yeah the only thing that uh i'm i think i would criticize about the trade-up is you gave up away all your force right yeah so and they gave away a pick next year they, they, tra- oh, they traded off seconds or yeah. something like that yeah they gave but up fourth round picks i feel like are pretty valuable or have been pretty pretty valuable to the Packers in the past. But, again, get that playmaker. You yeah. don't have a safety right now. You lost Bryce. You lost HaHa, of course. You, lo- you lost a lot of guys back there. So you, you kind of needed to fill that room up a little bit. Yeah, because I, I don't know. Would it have been Tremont if we didn't draft a safety? Well, they, sa- they said from the start, like, Tremont's moving back to corner. 
So I really think they don't like him there, obviously. Yeah. Not it, that he's it, bad there, but no, it I just makes don't more I think sense. they want him in that slot spot or something. I think he'll play slot Closer corner, to the line. But... Because he's, he's a good tackler. But we really. don't have another safety. Josh Jones is someone. Yeah, I, he's, I don't, I don't want him make, on the field. I say, I don't know if he'll make the team. So Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing when you when you have Hayward and all the injuries he had in the past. And it's it's like, the, do you take the risk signing the guy and look at what he is now? Um, maybe Randall is going to figure it out in Cleveland. We don't know. So you kind of kind of lose out on, Randall was put in, put in, at cornerback too, where he maybe should have been at safety. So. He he should have been. That so. that was absolutely. But that was ter- all capers and that was a terrible, terrible management draft too. Yeah, took. yeah, definitely. Randall and Rollins, top two picks. They oh, both God. should have been safeties. And that's why that backfield is uh, really lacking now. Yeah, you've been missing so much. So hopefully Savage can be there for a good ten years. He can wear thirty six. Is he wearing? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, That'd uh, be great. What was his number, 26 something? Yes, I believe 26, so we'll see. Or Um, number four. In college, he was four. college, he was four. As a tribute, I think, to a teammate. But yeah, I think he is at 26 or something, so. Were you uh, at all disappointed they didn't go offense in the first round? No. I don't think they need offense. I think it's crazy that everybody said they needed a playmaker. All the big you know, ESPN, all those guys were saying Packers need to get a playmaker mm. for Rodgers, blah, blah, blah. He has playmakers. The only reason they were so bad last year is because of his knee injury. He couldn't yeah. throw off that foot. It, it's, it was so obvious. He missed so many throws that he usually he makes. Did. He was so tentative because of that knee. It took him so long to get better. The guy almost had a, what did he have, almost a torn MCL? Yeah. Like, he seriously? Had, he played with, yeah, pretty serious injury and still uh, only through two interceptions. He played through that injury. Through, yeah, two interceptions. Like, Anyway, I don't think they needed a a playmaker. Maybe the tight end, but they weren't there. Like, yeah, it wasn't there. You need you have a bigger need on defense. If you can play defense and have Rodgers, we're gonna be great. Let's be honest. You can put anybody around Rodgers. He can make them better. So. Yeah, I mean Adams as a number one. He looks legit. I actually I feel okay about Allison as a number two if he can stay healthy, and then. You're you're banking on one of the young guys to step up from last and, year because they know, showed Jimmy, flashes. Jimmy Graham is still there. Like he yeah. took him a while to get back, get into the offense, probably. And he, and then Rogers is hurt, so he doesn't gain that experience with him. So hopefully the off season with him and it's just a better year and the more, you know, he has to prove it. Jimmy Graham has to prove it, and he has yeah. to be that red zone guy at least. He's not going to be the Jimmy Graham that runs down the seam and gets you know tons of yards or whatever. He's not going to be that guy that he was with the Saints. Give up on it, Packer fan. He's not going to be that guy. We need him to be that monster in the red zone, for sure. That's what we need, yeah. Red zone weapon is something we've lacked forever. So, But we might have the next Jimmy Graham. We might. Jay Sternberger. Right. I mean, he is smaller than Jimmy Graham. That's that's a big thing, but... uh, It's more of a Jordy size. He's more of a slot, almost like a slot receiver, really, right? Yeah, he lines up in the... He's not a great blocker which they, makes sense because you need a slot receiver they line him up in the slot a ton and he loves attacking right down the seam he had a 20 plus yard reception in every game but one that's, last year that's amazing that's great yeah so for college wise too yeah he looked for a tight end i say but really good in college the production for a tight end is it's 
crazy how many yards per catch he averaged. Yeah, he had on 48 catches, he had over 800 yards. He averaged over 17 yards a catch and 10 touchdowns. So that's pretty great production for a tight end. You usually don't see a tight end who averages that many yards per catch, mm-hmm. but that just shows you that he was that downfield move tight end, which even though he's smaller than Graham, that's the role you want with Jimmy Graham. Right. And he did run a kind of a pedestrian 40 time, but 40 times are 40 times. I don't believe in them usually unless they're like three, four twos or four threes, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So four, seven, five. I mean, that's not great, but it's a tight end. I don't, I, I expect him to, to be, to be fine. But even without uh great speed, he still had great production. Right. At A&M. So I, I like him. And at a big college, it's not like Toledo or anything. So Yeah. <laughs> Which, holy Toledo, we got a guy from Toledo. Yeah. But uh, the first I would do want to say, the Packers did pass up on, of course, Noah Fant to get Savage. Yeah. And they did pass up on Irv Smith Jr., the Alabama tight end, mm-hmm. which would have been, I I liked him better. I, w- I would rather have him probably than Fant, I would say, my, yeah. in my eyes, just personally. So they did pass up on them. They got El- Elgton Jenkins. Elgton Jenkins. Elgton Jenkins. I yeah, can't say that. We, I skipped over one. But that's okay. Jenkins, he's a guard. Um he he's gonna fight for a start. And I that's the one one place I wanted to see them fill for their offense was offensive line. Because that yeah. offensive line is not good. So they've obviously bolstered that. He's played center. He's played actually played he's played all over. Yeah, he uh I think he's played all five positions I and started so. games at four of the five. Yeah. So. so he can fill every position. He can give you competition um at every position. Now you've signed two guys, right? Or signed signed one Billy signed one. Billy Turner. Signed Billy Turner. Kind of a guard slash tackle. But I'm sorry, you get Cole Madison. Cole Madison's back. And now you have Jenkins. At at a possibly guard guard positions. Yeah. So now you would think like both guard positions are up up for grabs. You have four guys yeah. for two guard positions, and it's great. You need competition in the NFL, and it's some some it's a room that needed competition for sure. Because Lane Taylor was good, but then he had a down year last year, so his job's not safe. And also, I like this from the standpoint of maybe going into next year, Bulaga walks, Billy Turner if he plays well, he could actually be a right tackle of the future or Cole Madison could be too. And maybe this guy Jenkins ends up at right guard. They do. They certainly have flexibility. Definitely. Jenkins, I think allowed only, I want to say three sacks in college. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people had him graded out as the best pass blocking interior lineman. So Mississippi state too. So not a, not a, not a bad college again. Yeah. So the last three picks, uh, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, Something that Goot didn't really do was trade. And it's something mm-hmm. that Ted always did was like, I felt yeah. like he was always trading down and mm-hmm. it was crazy. It was like, what? We got like 15 seventh round picks. So he didn't trade. He stuck strong with second, third, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Only traded the, the, the first round up. So we have three players we got there. Kinsley Kiki, Kadar Holman, Holloman, and Ty Summers. Linebacker, cornerback, and defensive lineman. And we also got a running back in there. Yes. Sorry, Dexter I missed Williams. that one. My bad. So 
uh, rounds out. I think that's that's fine. Take a late round flyer on a running back and throw him in there. Sure, I'd rather do that than invest any money in the position. That's uh, a position that doesn't last. Yeah. Uh, Kiki's interesting. Uh, he's got really good size. He's kind of the prototypical three-four defensive end. Mike Daniels is in the contract year. Uh, Clark signed his fifth year uh, option. Yeah, and then I imagine that they definitely need to sign him long term. But uh, I just I expect Daniels and Bulaga to be the the guys who probably walk. So this guy's at least potential. I know once you get in the fifth round, there's no guarantees. Uh, otherwise, I don't have a ton of info on some of these other oh, guys. No. Holman no. is a he's a good story if you look him up. He yep. was a working a variety of different jobs, including Dunkin' Donuts, just trying to get a uh, a scholarship. He couldn't get one. He went to Toledo just to walk on and uh, ended up making the team. And from a, from a zero-star recruit to a, uh, to a NFL player, he's a long shot to make the team probably, but uh, or at least uh, stick around maybe more than like a year, but you never know. Yeah. But yeah... I guess uh, Dexter Williams, Notre Dame running back. Um, kind of interesting though. He he had some issues off the field, marijuana marijuana arrest, um, four game suspension. So he he had some issues there. Granted, that usually drops players, but it's take. He was a 17th running back taken, and it's not a bad one to get 17th. No, to be totally honest. I saw a lot of grades and mocks that said, uh, you know, he was pretty good value to fall all the all the way to the sixth round and right and and Lafleur's offense is is kind of planned where you build off the running game so they have to fill that room up for sure yeah and then I think the interesting thing they get to they get Ty Summers but it's their last pick linebacker they didn't really fill that position yeah that's one of the interesting things from the draft is as much as everyone said like they need Devin Bush and they'll have two good interior linebackers, we really just have Blake and nobody else right but that makes you think what is their plan on defense so maybe it's just a one linebacker set or more of hybrid stuff where where Preston Smith comes out and you know how they used to take because Preston Smith is actually good in good in coverage so maybe Preston Smith does come out more on nickel and plays that middle linebacker you know stuff like that so yeah maybe you'll see some of these guys that uh that we're thinking are edge players actually rotate in there because they still have Fackrell I mean Fackrell had a decent year he did and he'll be just fine as a rotation guy oh yeah the the problem last year was he was our best pass rusher that's a big problem (laughs) but uh I think the there's still Oren Burks from last year. He'd, yeah. he'd need to improve. But, yeah, maybe you see some of these, like, free agents we signed playing inside. Maybe we, maybe with the system they don't feel they need another stud out there at inside linebacker that right. they're going to just rotate guys all around that front seven. Yeah, because with the NFL changing how it is with more passing, all that stuff that's been happening for so long, those big bruising linebackers aren't needed as much. You need more of that hybrid safety kind of look where Amos could be that guy. Up on up on the line, he plays great up on the line. From what I hear, he is a uh, uh, guy who's going to give you consistency. So I think Amos Amos is going to play near the line. You're going to have Williams playing near the line because he doesn't have the speed anymore. He's a great tackler though. Yeah. So you you have those options in in nickel and all that stuff. And uh, I know I'm 
I'm probably overly optimistic about this draft. Sometimes it's hard not to be. But if I can find some criticism of it, uh, one thing I wish they had addressed was kick returner. Because we really, it's really been a problem. I mean, last year the Packers had to activate Trevor Davis from IR just because kick and punt return was just such a disaster. And uh, I don't see that getting much better. Uh, like where they took that Kadar Holman, maybe they could have targeted someone with more kick return experience. True. Really, special teams as a whole. Well, now you're probably sticking with with Williams. To, yeah. I mean, he's done it before. He's got sure hands. I would think he's punt returning. Yeah. Because now yeah. you lost Cobb. Um, I guess so. It just, I can't even really think of a kick returner on the team right now. No, I don't know. Who's going to win the job? It's going to be probably wide open in camp. Yeah, just go get Janice back. <laughs> make, <laughs> make fans happy, right? Probably. Janice. The immortal Jeff Janice. So, yeah, I guess that's my one knock is maybe. Yeah. Also, you know, punter. Uh, our, uh, I, I forget his name. J.K. Rowling uh, yep. wrote the Harry Potter books yep. as our punter. Uh, she's not very good. <laughs> uh, you had the best line ever is uh, he looks like a, a who or something a Dr. Seuss character <laughs> I and don't remember that <laughs> that's all I ever think when oh I see him God. now he does yeah no that's a that's but, a, that is a spot that, that you hate to see be really bad yeah but he, he showed it in spots didn't they sign a punt, another punter though don't they have two punters I think they do have some competition so yeah I'm pretty sure they there do there has to be this there's um, always Two kickers, two punters, I feel, no matter what. Yeah. Nowadays. It's just, uh, I noticed the Patriots traded up into the fifth round and took the best punter in the draft. And then it, it just had me thinking, like, should we have targeted a punter? But not if uh, it meant trading up for one. Yeah. It's one position that you can really study up very well because there's usually only one listed. Pretty much. The yeah. draft yeah. tracker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the kicker and the punter were from the same team. Oh, really? I believe so. Yeah, the, the, the top ones were from the same team, I we're, think. Whatever could be totally wrong. We might need corrections on that. Kicker you. Some schools are linebacker you. Some schools are wide receiver you. They're kicker you. Seems like Boise State or something. Yeah. <laughs> Goofy school. All right, let's get into it. It's what I've been waiting for. Can't Man, I've been waiting for it too. I uh, can't wait. I talk about it. I'm so in on Game of Thrones. About to get nerdy up in here. I was listening to sports. I've been listening to sports talk radio list lately. Yeah. Everybody's talking Game of Thrones. Yeah, it I noticed, does not matter. I noticed that too. How many podcasts go into Game of Thrones? Because I've been listening to a lot of them at work this week, and 
they all have yeah, Game of like, Thrones talk. What, 77 million or something? I, I forget what the number was. It was insane how many people are watching this show. Yeah, I can see why uh, HBO, uh, I don't know the exact number, but there's rumors they've spent hundreds of millions, maybe as much as 400 million on this season. Oh, easily, with which, all the CGI? Which, after this last episode, makes total sense why it would cost that much. Uh because this episode is just one of my first thoughts on the episode as a whole is it's probably the most impressive episode in TV history in terms of just what they achieved. It, it was like a movie. Right. It was 82 minutes of action. Right. So it was like watching the movie Cars, let's say. <laughs> and they have a character arc, plot. They induce, like they do a lot in that 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. This was just one battle. Yeah, and, and they had a lot of moments and a lot of drama and a lot of emotion with a lot of just brutal, brutal war. Yeah. Like, the, brutal war. Like, the, the, their war scenes are, are so real to me. Like, that's how I feel like it, it was when people fought. It was just chaos. Yeah, so, it, ha- it had to be when you're just hand-to-hand combat. Right. And you saw just nothing but chaos in this episode. It, I actually felt like... This episode was stressing me out when I watched it the first time. Oh, because it just man, it was crazy. It, it just felt like all these characters we love, and it just seemed like there was they just couldn't win. Like it seemed unwinnable, and it was I was getting so Definitely. frustrated. And then characters started dying. So yeah, but it, it's interesting how how we are we seem on the side of we love the episode, right? Yeah, I can't believe the people who who are like nitpicking it to the T about a fantasy show and are just angry that it went from this like throne kind of a uh, political kind of show mm-hmm. to basically it's just you know it, it means nothing anymore it's more yeah. about you know, you know what I mean yeah so I, I hate that people are nitpicking that I hate that people are nitpicking the plan because they're like oh this plan didn't work perfect whatever this and that I'm like it's war like, you think of what instantly happened. So we're going to go in order, I think, of, like, mm-hmm. basically scene blocks. So there are there are scene blocks, I would say, you have the initial fight of the Dothraki. I would say maybe the air battle of dragons outside the castle battle before mm-hmm. they, they retreat, maybe. Yeah. Um, there's inside Winterfell chaos. And then there's the close spaces. Yeah. And then the crypts kind of scenes we should probably talk about that mm-hmm. and then of course weirwood scenes yeah so i think i think that's, I think that's probably what we will well. we'll go through so i think we should probably start off right away with what happened when melisandre came back that saw was a character great. a character that we haven't seen in two years yeah i would think not two Two actual, well, three actual years, maybe. Cause yeah. When but like two seasons. seasons. Out, but two seasons. So she comes out of the dark from nowhere. And granted, all you people complaining that it was too dark, set your TV correctly, you would have seen everything fine. It it was <laughs> a little bit of a problem on giant TVs. Uh, I oh, was watching with uh, yeah. Mr. Chris. And oh, man. He's got like a 70-inch TV, and you could definitely see a lot of pixelation in the parts that were really black. But some of that's because it just, the show isn't meant to be watched well, on a 70-inch. And I'm not knocking, not knocking Mr. Chris. Mm-hmm. Granted, he has a lot of names now. Mm-hmm. Now he's Mr. Chris. So 
I'm not knocking it, but when you have a 70-inch TV, there's a certain length you're supposed to be sitting away yes, from it. So I was... as I know where you are, you should be sitting in the kitchen almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was... And it looks great from the kitchen. Too close. And also, I, I don't know what this was broadcast in 1080p. You, to really get the most out of it, you'd need like a 4K show. So it might yeah. look great when it finally come out with like a 4K Blu-ray release. Yeah. So. so, no, it looked great on my TV. I have the, I think, 50-inch plasma. Yeah, and I rewatched it twice on a smaller screen, and it was, then it wasn't noticeable. Yeah. All you, all you people who hate plasmas, mine's lasted forever. So yeah. plasmas are great. I love it. I have it upstairs. I don't care about the glare. <laughs> Anyway, that's another topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> TVs. All right, so Melisandre comes out. We've been missing her. She looks yeah. pretty determined, not yeah. like scared like when she left us. She was just confused, and she looked like she went somewhere, got some information. I think she whatever. said she was going to Essos. I believe. And, and so she must have learned a lot over there. Proved her, her magic skills, and she leveled, she leveled up. Leveled up. In Essos. Leveled up in life. Mm-hmm. Sure. She was probably she, near the last level. She she's she spent two seasons like killing boars or whatever they do in South Park when they play World of Warcraft and then she leveled up, <laughs> upgraded her firepower and came back. Yeah. So she lights the swords right away. Now, what'd you think of this? Fen- Andy and we talked about this in the last podcast yeah, about the Kingsford kinda... lighter and I think I think Andy's on this now I'm sponsor? Right. It's King sponsored by Kingsford. Um so I really think Andy hated this episode, so I'm kind of mad he's not here because we're on the side of, of, of this. So we might have to talk about it a little bit again. Mm-hmm. So sorry, everybody. But I think it was great. It was yeah. to show that it was really to show that her magic really works, and it and the Lord of Light is real. Mm-hmm. Like, and with with what Maester Chris said, an early podcast, how magic gets stronger when dragons are around. I really believe that. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Yeah, but Maester Chris knows a lot, so yeah, I think that he, that might be more of a book thing. More of a book still. thing, but it should still live a little bit in the TV world. So, and you could see it throughout the whole show how her magic was kind of spotty, didn't mm-hmm. work here, didn't work here. The baby killed her baby demon, killed uh, Baratheon, and yeah, everybody's Renly. wondering where that baby demon go. It was magic, so it goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what my wife was asking. I'm like, it goes away. It's magic. It's not a baby. It just went to kill Renly yeah, Baratheon kill. and so, then disappeared. Anyway. But let's get back to this. So I thought it was great. Yeah. The Dothraki looked a little scared, and they just turned into their monsters. Yeah. and Not monsters. I think Andy did say this was kind of like a give you a goosebump scene, though. Like like You felt like, all right, they're ready for battle. I got to admit, I'm surprised I didn't have a heart attack. My heart was (laughs) through the roof. Yeah. Oh, it was so brutal. Because the whole whole build up to that and the tension and then lighting their swords, it was like, all right. All right. Ready to do this. Even though... So wait, before we before yeah. they run, we see Ghost. We do see Ghost. And that's the only time we see Ghost. Ghost is still alive. Yes. Ghost was somehow he didn't come back. For whatever reason, Ghost had to be he part just, of the cavalry charge. They want to make sure we show him, but there's always a reason why. So he must have to do something later. Oh, I hope so. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> and I will say though, starting off a fight with the uh, using your cavalry is uh it's that's a lot that, of problems. That's poor planning. Uh I don't think that's ever been done in war before. No. And was, then having your, your catapults in front? You're, you have catapults and trebuchets. Those should be shooting, like, right away. Right. Like, like they shot Just, a little bit, and then they're like, cease fire because the Dothraki okay. are This isn't the down. British versus, whatever, America. 
this isn't the civil war this isn't you know this isn't like okay there are rules to war and you charge or whatever no they're 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 the undead <laughs> you, you just kill them you can't you know shoot they're there a commanding officer that's not allowed in war <laughs> you just kill you just start shooting yeah there was no arrows there was like like the the classic well, roman yeah uh, scene you well, see there was no no fiery arrows the arrows they all waited on top of the. That Why I, were they waiting? That I get because they they might have had just a limited uh, amount of arrows because yeah. yeah, I making, guess so. Yeah, they, they had make, a yeah make dragon true. glass ones, but Very the true. the trebuchets should have been firing like immediately. You have yeah. your cavalry wait and like charge in from like the flank. You don't rush them out there. I was the way I looked at it as this was like they lined up on fir- first play of the game, first down. They lined up and ran a fake punt. Sure. And I was like, what? What was that? Oh, I do that in Madden all <laughs> yeah. the time. I was like, what's that person doing? That was the that was their cavalry charge. Okay. So it didn't work. But Perfect. Sports reference. <laughs> yeah, Love I tried it. to work one in. Good. But obviously it was done for just the cinematic of yeah. watching the watching the lights go out. Which was great. Oh my god. Because you got And two- that was everybody's like, Oh, it was so long. It was amazing. That was just I love I, it. like every light that went out, like Andy said, there were matches in a in a in a lake. Like Yeah, you were so excited. And then it was just like, the, and then you see Jorah riding back with a, a handful of Dothraki and, and just, just like, he shoots a look like, to Tormund like this is going to be bad. Ready. Yeah. 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 And that, that yeah. was great. It right. was great for cinematic, even if it was dumb strategy. Right. So now we go to a scene with Danny and John and the, the line was, the dead are coming. Mm-hmm. And she's it, like. Yeah. The night King's coming. The night King's coming. That's what John says, and she says the dead are already here. Yeah. Now, she just saw her strongest army, the strongest army probably in in all of this this mm-hmm. world, just demolished. Yeah. Within seconds. The same ones we saw last season in the loot train episode just swarm the swarm. Lannisters. And... Yeah. Just destroy them. So she sees that she wants to protect her people, her unsullied, her everything. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. So the plan is done. Yeah, at everybody. This point, everybody who loves Game of Thrones, <laughs> the plan is done within ten minutes of this episode. Yeah. So now everything is just chaotic. There is no plan. It's just fight for your life. Yeah. And now John is like, no, I'm gonna go get the Night King. So now they're they're already just creating problems, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks they're gonna do something, but they're creating problems. So now John goes after the Night King. Night King sees him, and this huge storm comes in. Yeah. Which he had- he had, I guess, winters coming. He had blizzard magic. Well, we've all, we've seen that. Yeah, we've seen that before. Granted, this was more of a like cataclysmic, yeah, like, if, tsunami of snow coming. But. Between then, when when you see to the 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 wave of the dead, the way they're just like oh. a wave, and then they're uh they're shooting fire. The dragons are dropping fire down to try to protect troops and then the winter is coming in it felt like it did feel like the apocalypse like oh, oh this is the God. end of the world this yeah. is this is it was insane. insane and that's the thing with with that first horde that came in on the on the front line they showed every single main character on the front line mm-hmm. none of them how died. did they survive i know i know that's that's one of my few complaints is and that's where why did the cavalry go out because it would have made sense if they hit the cavalry and then they had a chance to like group. Yeah. But no, it was it was that first horde was insane. The at the same time too, I did absolutely love the scene of 
a couple people started running in fear. Oh, and yeah. then it cuts to Brienne and just yelling, stand your ground with her sword out. Like, that's another just great cinematic moment. Yeah, definitely. Even if, yeah. And then right away, Jamie saves her. Yep. For sure. Happened. And you see, you start to see people save each other. Yeah. You had a couple of people uh, having each other's back. Uh, Ed saves Sam. And poor Ed then is the first one to die. Former uh, goes all the way back to the Night's he's, Watch. He's with the last. Uh, so Ed is the last Lord Commander. He never really liked Sam. He did, but didn't. He was like a tough love kind of situation. Yeah. Obviously, uh, he was pretty amazed when Sam stepped right next to him because he never thought Sam would. He thought Sam would run away because that's what Sam does. Yeah. Sam runs away. Yeah. When you watch those old seasons, yeah, Sam. I mean, he's he's more fit to be a maester. He's but never cut out. For that's the, the thing watch. is, he he's like I killed the first. I killed the first one. I killed the first one. That's with, true. Yeah. I learned about Dragonglass. He said I can do this. Well, yeah. And Sam was freaked when he saw everything. Yeah. He was not doing yeah. well. This whole episode, he was a coward. Yeah. To be totally honest. He's not. But a, that's okay. He's not a soldier. Like yeah. you said, it was great seeing that human interaction, that, that emotion that you would get. Not everybody's going to have that. It's that fight or flight. We he, all don't know if we have fight or flight in us. Hey, even the hound gave up at one oh, point man. during the fight. Yeah, we'll he's, talk about that coming up for sure. So Ed, Ed is the first one to die. It was a, a very sad moment for me because I thought that relationship was fun. Um, I, I didn't think he would live, obviously, but yeah. Plus, then it was just the realization that okay, characters, characters are gonna—they're gonna start dying this yeah. episode, which we felt like it was coming last episode, but now it's real. So after that, they move into the crypt scene, a crypt scene, where Arya has told Sansa to go to go to, go to the crypts because mm-hmm. you have no place here. Take this sword, take this dagger, whatever it was. Yeah. Go to the crypts. Arya's in her serious mode, right? Mm-hmm. So she goes down to the crypts. Tyrion is Tyrion. He's back to <laughs> yeah. being Tyrion. He's yeah. drinking and knowing things. <laughs> yeah, classic But Tyrion. He, is, he is in that situation where he's fought in battles. Mm-hmm. He was trampled in one. Yep. Remember the, that? Yeah, the very... Where he had the... <laughs> what was it? Um, Pretty much like the... He took like friendly fire, like a... A hammer to the head and knocked him out. Well, right, yeah, he was uh, leading his his band of misfits, pretty much his crazy wild men. Yeah, um, into into battle, and this was in season one when they were yep. when the Lannisters were gonna the they were trying to save Ned, so he was leading them into battle. He had his awesome speech, like blah blah blah. Mm. Yeah, they're like half men, half men, half men. They were yelling, and he's just like. With this puzzle look, like, come on. You know, but they, yeah. they love the half men. And uh, they just start going. Yeah. And he's like, oh. So he just freaks <laughs> out and he starts running. And everybody's bigger than him. He's, he's, uh, he's a little man. Yep. I don't know. I don't know how to be politically correct on this little person, I think. I, yeah. I think that's right. On the show, they do refer to him as halflings or half men. Half man. Anyway, so I'm not trying to be rude. Just putting that out there. That's what they call him, the half man. So. He's running, and then all of a sudden, yeah, the hammer comes in, hits him in the head, knocks him to the ground. People just kind of step on him here trampled and there. Trampled a trampled. little. He wakes up. He's having the, the gladiator moment like of just floating. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> and good reference. And then he looks over. He's like, did we win? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Bron. Bron oh, says yeah. to him, if we didn't win, you wouldn't know. Yeah. You wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. You wouldn't be here right now. So 
anyway. his first taste of battle. So he is ready to go into battle. He wants to go up there. He wants to go. Because he was heroic in the Battle of Blackwater. Yeah. He led the he led the charge where they came back. And Sansa's like, nope, you can't help. He proceeds to chug and <laughs> pull another wine. Mm-hmm. So. And I thought uh, Sansa had some, some great lines there where she says, yeah, you know, she did. the reason we're down here is because we can't help. And she says, all you can do right now is be honest about it. And, yeah. But then, know. to be honest, the reason we're all here right now is because Danny is here. Yeah. That's, and, that's what her, uh, her second hand, her. Masandi said. Yeah. Yes. So she said that, um, and that was pretty telling too, because that is true. They would all be dead. Yeah. If, the, if, if the dragons weren't here. Yeah. To be totally honest. They've kind of helped be, big time. Be, yeah. Be lucky. Be thankful that they have dragons because, uh, you know, that might be the only chance they actually have is her dragons. So while all this is going on, we have John and Danny on their dragons. And at this point, they're taking on the Night King. And we see them, they collide at one point. Because right. they're lost in the in the That's whiteout. Makes sense. Like, they're, I'm yeah, surprised it, they didn't crash. Really. Yeah. It's the, it's the dragons have great sense of, they of kinda, where they are. They kind of did wise. just yeah, like run into each other, and that's what they go higher up, and once they get above the clouds, then well, the night king's gone. Well, night king's gone. Then you're out of the the winter, the crazy winter storm yeah, and whiteout whiteout condition. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's a great scene. That's another one of those just cinematic moments of. Oh. It costs a lot of money. <laughs> Dragon, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, this episode was so impressive, just with how many moving parts and the CGI and all that was fantastic. If you didn't get chills on that scene, I feel bad for you because artistically, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's just amazing to watch them come up and go down, and then you know, come up again, and the Night King's trying to kill. <laughs> kill yeah, because then, then the dragon fight really happens. Yeah, because then the Night King comes, starts. He's, Breathing fire, trying to hit Danny, um, because it appeared that uh, Drogon's immune also to blue fire. I guess I, it's. I don't, a, yeah, and that's the thing is, what is this blue fire? Do you did, I, is it fire or is it ice? Like, of course it's not ice because he's not freezing. So I think it's just fire still, but it's blue. I think blue fire so. is, is like the hottest fire, I guess, right? And it, yeah, and it, if you're looking at like stars, uh, it did look like at one point he he rode. The Night King did a drive-by on Winterfell, and it did look like it kind of left stuff burning a little bit. Okay. He, he that kinda, was later in the episode. That was later, right? So, but I think it is, yes. They didn't really explain. We don't need to know exactly yeah. what it is. And we're kind of just meshing all of the dragon fight into one because they were very short. So, yeah. So, yeah, they, yeah, he did. They they did have a little fight scene. They The dragons ended up fighting together and he's trying yeah. to grab his spear and just spear John because he needs him mm -hmm. because John is you know very strong character so he knows he needs John I think he's not trying to stab the dragon I really think he's trying to get John and he can't obviously because yeah. it's just chaos so they ended up like pretty much almost biting the head off the dragon yeah but he gets away somehow yeah that dragon disappears Night King falls off into the darkness and granted I think we should come back to when he he, he falls because um, something else happens. So mm -hmm. let's move on to kind of some chaos in, in Winterfell. So there's there's a retreat, mm -hmm. obviously. Everybody knows <laughs> this is not going well. Yeah. We need to retreat. So uh, back onto the ground battle, everybody's retreating. So all the men, um, armies from 
from the north are, are retreating. And now you have the Unsullied. Pretty um, much Roman, Roman kind of style. <laughs> yep. Which is great. Spears, long spears. Right. I love the Unsullied. I love the Unsullied too. And it's something that reminds you of like 300, the movie 300. Uh-huh. If you've ever seen it, yeah. um, that kind of like wall of, of people, which you wish they would have done more of a wall like that when they started because mm-hmm. then it would have made more sense because yeah. then the horde would have just fell on top of them and whatever. And they could have just poked, but whatever. They It's an older older times, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, not getting technical there, but it was a pretty amazing sight to see them kind of just retreat back yeah. and, and stay stand their ground because yeah, the, they really proved how much they are to serve. Valar, Valar what is it, Valar Draconis? Not, not Draconis, but... I didn't write down the actual saying, but it's they're they're there to protect. Yeah, and that's why. And Grey Worm gives the order protect protect the retreat. Right, and it's interesting because earlier in this episode, Melisandre walks past, and they say their little little yeah. sayings. But he he says she says all men must die. He says all men must serve. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of foreshadowing in that when he has to pull down and clear the trenches it's really a a moment that you might just think oh it's just a moment but i think it's just huge for gray worm and i thought gray worm would die here i thought he i i honestly he was he was thinking of that all men must die all must all men must must serve he was totally thinking that because all men must serve he has to pull that and go and let his people die all men must die you know die he's gonna go help his people I thought, yeah, I thought the Unsullied would sacrifice themselves to get the retreat done, but uh, Grey Worm and a lot of the Unsullied still managed to to be alive because they also were still, they had to come out then again and protect uh, the trench. Yeah. Because uh, with Danny being up up high in the clouds in the winter storm, she couldn't tell that... uh, Sir Davos was waving the... Waving the flags, right? The signal, yeah, yeah, to set the trench on fire. And so, who comes up big again? Melisandre. And that's another moment, too, before that, where Grey Room looks at her, and they realize together that all men must serve, and that she needs to serve and do her part now. It's, yeah. it's time for her to serve the Lord of Light, yeah. pretty much. This is her moment, obviously. Yeah, and she had, she had told Davos uh, when she first came in, to Winterfell, she said, "You know, don't worry, I'll be dead by morning." I think she she knew this was kind of going to be her final act. We talk about the Lord of Light and uh, bringing people back for a reason. I think she knew this was her her final purpose was to be at this battle and serve. And really, I mean, if you're doing MVP voting, I mean, there's a clear winner in MVP. But Melisandre probably finishes second. Maybe, yeah, yeah. We could we could do that at the end for sure. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. So, but yeah, Melisandre she uh, struggles to light it. Though, yeah, it doesn't work her, right away. She is scared. Yeah, she's scared. She's Maybe. scared again, but she's scared because I don't know. She just is worried. She's so old, really, that her powers are just don't work as good. Probably. Yeah, and it's almost like she's she's really trying to will it to happen. She's also under a ton of uh, pressure. There's the dead are like they're closing in at this point. They're starting to leap. Trying to leap towards her and getting caught on some of the because she she knows she's supposed to die. Yeah, that's the thing too. She knows she's supposed to die, but she knows she can't die at this moment. And it eventually lights when when one of the whites are right there. Yeah, and that was another fantastic moment oh, where God, yeah. the ebb and flow of this whole 
episode was so good because it's like there's times you'd get your hopes up and then your hopes would be dashed. And it's kind of like the Dothraki sword lighting was so great. And, yeah. the, and the trench, then it felt like, okay, like... This is good. Yeah, like something else worked. They had this plan and yeah, now the the whites, are they're stopped in their tracks. The ones who are still running in there are getting burned alive. You're like, all right, score one for the good guys. Their uh, their defense is working. This was part of a, this was a plan they had that's actually going to work. They're safe. Yeah, but it doesn't work. No, because in the dragon battles. Oh wait, almost forgot. We don't have to go through every little detail, but yeah. but in the dragon battles, um, they had that scene where Bran disappears. Oh, where does he go? I don't know. I don't understand. I hope they explain that. But he disappears. So so they show so they can show the Night King finally for the first time. Yeah, and he rises or does pushes down with his hand in that, telling his people to just sacrifice themselves and make yeah. <laughs> make a bridge. Yeah, basically he's control. Bran took he took control of some ravens to kind of go find the Night King where he was exactly. And yeah, you see that the Night King is commanding the undead to yeah, sacrifice yourselves to get over the flames. So, but there's something inside of me about Bran thinking now I know he can't warg into the Night King, right? Yeah, I don't think There's so. There's no possible way? I don't think so. So he can't warg into the dragon, probably either. Yeah, I don't know. But I he has so. seen all of this, right? We have to know that he has seen parts of this because he can go into the future, right? He Can, can he go into the future? I'm not sure. It's So this is where it's kind of unclear. He, he's gone in the past, we've seen, but it is almost like he, he is the one who gave Arya the dagger last right. season. And he did say to Theon, like, you've been a good man, like, right. knowing that Theon's about to go die later. So I don't know how much of the future he can predict. Does he know? It, that part's not incredibly clear. Yeah, because that's what's interesting to me is he kind of almost drives this whole plan. Yeah. Pretty much. He tells them, I'm going to go sit here. And everybody's worried about how the wheelchair goes through snow. Who cares? <laughs> Come on. Anyway. So he's sitting in a certain way, though. He's sitting sideways. He's sitting right in front of the tree. But it, I think it makes a huge difference um, for later on, of course, of of why he's sitting that way, why he's by the weirwood tree. So I wonder if we will get a little more on this because Bran also he he his eyes were white later on in the episode, but it never showed. What else he what he's where, doing. where else he went? Was he or, just watching, making sure everything's happening correctly? I don't know. Because I don't think was he supposed to be just. I don't think he was supposed to be a flock of ravens for like an hour. So I don't know where else no, he went. Yeah, I hope there is that they intentionally left that out because maybe maybe there'll be kind of a recap of what happened this week to start this episode. Because I mean it's got something has to happen almost like a flashback. They don't do many yeah. flashbacks, but I feel like something has to happen where Arya's telling her story. Or maybe not. I don't know. Or maybe yeah, maybe it isn't anything more. But I wonder too, or if maybe he went into the past and maybe told someone, told Arya what had to be done or told John this is how this is gonna work. Yeah. Uh a video came out 
today when John is fighting Viserion, or he's he's going to fight Viserion at the very end there. He he ducks behind a rock. Viserion's about to shoot blue fire. Yeah. He does stand up at one point and yell, go, go, oh. go. Is is he talking about the dragon? And then some people have said he's yelling to Arya. Yeah. So I don't know. And that's the thing. He he doesn't necessarily say go because usually when you do put closed captioning, it'll tell you even if it's un- incoherent at what they're saying, but it just says yells. So oh. obviously the, the producers or whatever left that out. Yeah. Just in case. And I was like, um, I always do that for some certain things because yeah. I can't hear. So I, I did it for the moment when Liliana told Ned, um, whispered to him. Yeah. If you put on closed captioning, it'll tell you. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's kind of interesting that yes, it sounds like go for sure. And go could have also meant like come, like come on, let's go, like let's, let's fight, this. like at Whatever. this at this I'm point. Done. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, yeah. So I don't know. But that kind of brings you into the battles of of inside Winterfell. The hordes are just coming in. They're fighting it, their butts off. Uh, it, uh, Jamie saves Brienne. Yeah, everybody looks just just spent. Yeah, much. and you realize why the undead are so unstoppable. It's World War Z. If you've seen oh, that yeah. movie, where they I just, haven't seen it, but that that kind of vision is yeah, perfect. Where they just like they they're just falling falling out. Yeah. In World into, War Z, they do the same tactic of all just running into a wall and just creating such a huge pile of dead bodies that... And that's what would happen. Like, once they are climbing care. up. Yeah. And I like how that's how they function, how some of them didn't even have weapons. Like, you they saw them... bite, eat people, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that they just, like, jump and just try to tear you apart. And that made them so much creepier. Right. So, one big scene in inside Winterfell, obviously, was Lyanna. Li- Leanna Mormont. Mormont. Little Lady Mormont. She was holding strong for the front door, pretty much. Holding the front mm-hmm. door. She was holding the door. Yep. Hodor. <laughs> she was doing that while the giant comes in, hits her away. They cut back to another scene. They come back to that again, and she's just going balls out yep, she at the t- giant. She picks up an, an axe, <laughs> starts charging him. Gotta love her. Yeah. And the directors and stuff, they said later on that she was supposed to be a one-off character, but she, yeah. was, she was pretty fantastic. Every line she had. Yeah. So they had to keep her in. The the fans loved her so much. Yeah. There, she was going to be in one scene and right. the fans loved her and the, the actress, they said, did such a good job of playing her that, yeah, they kept her around and she had a great final moment. Yeah. And I believe that was one one. Well... It looked like him. It did look like him. I can't remember though if he if one one was burned after the Battle of the Bastards. Might have been. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. Remember. We have to look into it. Don't remember. Anyway, but she gets that classic death. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it did a lot of people were mad at that. Like, what? why would this? Why would this beast just pick her up and blah blah? blah. I'm like, come on. We need some emotional parts yeah, of this. Yeah, that was fantastic. It was David yeah. versus Goliath. It was her, perfect. Her last act, yeah, is to, to kill a giant. And I felt she needed a death like that. Yeah. It's, it's, I needed a last moment. Yeah, what else would you have rather had? She just lies on the ground and then closes her eyes. And like, right. She's gone, no. Gets she eaten had, up. She had an epic. Right, and she's no, she's seen at this, as a strong young lady. Yeah. And then she gets hit where she looks afraid or whatever at first. And you think like, oh, she's just going to be a little girl, whatever, you know, all yeah. that connotation. But the show has shown that there's strong women in this. <laughs> yeah. I that, mean, it's more of a women's. <laughs> there are. There's a women's show. ton of women fighting for power. There's female warriors. So, Some of the reason people loved 
Lady Mormont is because even though she's supposed to be like a 12, 13-year-old girl, she still insists on fighting. She's, she's BA, man. She has a line, uh, I think, back uh, previous season where she says something about their asking her why she's willing to fight and she says because i'm not the kind of woman who sits by the fire and knits will men oh, fight yeah. my battles okay. for me so yeah I, that's why you love uh, and that's why you needed that. to see her actually do something of that value yeah take down the biggest <laughs> undead yeah so i thought that was fantastic yeah that was a good scene that good was scene. Great definitely scene. like kind of kind of gets you cheering a little bit after all the terrible stuff that's happened so the the other big thing we see inside of Winterfell itself is Arya comes out first with her special weapon. Oh, we yeah. Now see. Her first really scene that she's fighting in this show, yeah. in, in this episode. So it's yeah. like, I would think like almost two-thirds into the show. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, she starts just going crazy with a staff with, with dragon glass on both ends. And now I see what the picture was. It also detaches the part into two separate weapons. If you want two small handheld weapons or one Darth Maul dual sided lightsaber, you can have either one. And uh, it's yeah. It's a fantastic weapon, yeah. by the way. I, granted, it didn't last long, no. but, but I figured these kind of wars, weapons aren't going to last long. Yeah. Unless it's a huge sword that you gotta keep in your hand forever. So, but yeah, no, it was a fantastic moment. She turns into ninja mode. Um, ninja Arya is back. Yeah, and she's really going crazy on him. Uh, ultimately, though, uh, this is where the Hound we mentioned before was was actually like giving up, and Beric gets him back into the fight by saying, you know, is she is she giving up or tell her that that there's no chance of winning? Right. So okay. he's Arya duck into that fall well for first she she hits her head Mm -hmm. she hits her head really hard and she goes from ninja mode back to season one little girl aria scared out of her mind yes how could you not be so she she turns she turns away from being the faceless person faceless woman so to say um now she's she's scared she's back to aria stark yeah and it's a really big moment i feel because she is her character has gone through so much through all these seasons, and it's just been amazing. Where you thought, like, what is she doing? What does mm-hmm. this mean? And it meant a lot. It means a lot now. Like when you look, I'm getting chills right now because <laughs> when you look back at all that faceless stuff and how it was like, what is this? Like, yeah. it made no sense, but it makes sense now. It made sense in that she had a purpose. This Lord of Light. Everybody has a purpose now. It makes mm-hmm. total sense to me. This isn't about the political stuff. It's about this. It's more of like a religion part too. I guess political and religion. So it's like all that stuff fighting against each other where everybody thought the Lord of Light was nonsense. Mm-hmm. And now look at everything's happening to what they have said. So it's just amazing how her character arc has gone. Yeah. You know, her and John, I think, are the biggest characters in the show. And her and John are the closest to yeah. each other probably in the show where needle and all that stuff he was the only one to trust her we've talked about that before but um, yeah. i just and, love aria yeah and uh season one of this episode when john and aria meet up for the first time since season one john's standing at the Warwood tree she comes walking up and he turns around and says how did you sneak up on me on the weirwood tree yeah yeah talk about that later foreshadowing definitely so but yeah her her arc now and rewatching the show at times that stuff the training with the faceless men i think that's one of the parts that drags the most 
but now but it's important. you but now you know yeah I've, our Arya's character arc is probably the best part of the show now right and then and you say the sneaking around um that is something that happened a lot with that faceless man stuff where he mm-hmm. would just disappear and you're yeah. like well wait is is this the waif the waif with the faceless man mm-hmm. are they the same but they weren't he was just so stealthy that yeah he could he could just do that so she needed to learn that and she needed to use her stealth when she was in the library definitely the... but she's back to Arya Stark so she's not as stealthy yeah and it's it's almost like it played out like a classic zombie movie oh or something oh my god now i want to talk about this now one one thing first pound and Beric. i their relationship has been amazing mhm through the whole time they've been together because the hound since, since the hound killed Beric once yes in a, uh trial yes. by combat right and of course his 17 so 16th death yeah uh yeah it's just been amazing watching those two they're probably the two f- most fun characters to watch together i would mm. think for me i just love Beric dundarian I, I love that guy yeah he's just been so great like as the seasons have gone on at first it was like what is this and now it's just been him and him and the hound are just like perfect mm-hmm. they're conflicting styles you know so but yeah the hound being so scared and then seeing him telling her tell her that the hound turned into i need to protect Arya again yeah and that was a great thing to say see because he he loves her not loves her loves her but he loves her like he knows he needs to be there for her because it's just it's like that relationship where it, it kind of gave him some... more emotional stuff in this show where you just a lot of people probably don't think about it but if you've really paid attention to little things it it makes a big deal that line and him him turning from scared taking on Arya as his traveling companion it kind of gave him a sense of purpose again to protect her because he was in the king's guard yeah he was in the king's guard with joffrey he quit because he didn't want to serve joffrey anymore and so so he's basically exiled but his his main skill in life is being this great warrior and to really put it to use yeah with Arya, it kind of it gave him you know, someone to yeah. look after, someone to protect again. Because that he, was that's who he is. He's, yeah. he's there to protect. Even he's there if, to serve. Even if yeah, he didn't want to admit it. He he's good at fighting, and you know, yeah, Arya meant a lot to him in a way. So right. Yeah, uh, yeah. He kind of went back into that protective mode, even though she's a completely different uh, person now, a little more capable of taking care of herself. But in this situation, nobody's really safe. Nobody. So yeah, it kind of it always goes back to like you said, all men must serve, all men must die. Mm-hmm. All these things, Hound, he was thinking die. No, I have to serve and help Arya. You know, mm-hmm. it's all it all goes back to that. So now she's in the she's in the library. Now my heart is pumping. Yeah, I am getting my my anxiety is ramping up. Yeah. I need some medication <laughs> really bad. I want to start drinking again. I have quit drinking so. And it's been fantastic, by the way. So, but anyway, enough about me. Um, it reminded me of Last of Us, oh. the video game Last of Us. Oh, if you start, you talking. are in that area, that basement. It's pitch black. And oh, it's yeah. the same thing. I got. I'm gonna get myself worked up about it. I could barely. I had to play that game in parts. That that part in parts because. It got me so, that game is just amazing. Yeah. It got me so worked up and I was playing it by myself in the dark, like with zombies. And that's the thing, the clickers in that game, it's to sound. So you have Mm -hmm. to be stealthy. So it was the exact same situation. So 
I just felt for her. Yeah. Playing the game, you're kind of controlling the person, and now I can't control Arya. I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Do move this. Press X. Like, <laughs> don't get me started on The Last of Us, uh, or I'll do a five hour tangent. Yeah, okay. It's one of my favorite video games ever. We'll I, do, maybe we should start a video game yeah, podcast. I have a video game room, and that's one of the prominent posters yeah. right over my video game shelf. Is but but yeah, I, the the tension was so high. Oh, it was man. nice that like I was saying, the ebb and flow of this is like it was so chaotic when you saw like the outside the zombie the whites just overrunning world war z style and they would cut to the crypts the dragon fight even to this part that kind of gave you a break from the chaos but it was still insane tension and this part yeah like i could barely stand to watch this like the way she's sneaking around and she even runs right into that one and stabs it in the oh i thought that was her like Like i i of course going back to i can't see but (laughs) <laughs> I, you know you're just watching it and your heart's pumping and you got so many so much anxiety when you watch it two or three times you see it perfectly but i didn't see it perfectly and i looked at her eyes i'm like she's dead For a second, and then all thought, of a sudden you saw that little just slump over her and it was like oh you thought it was the other way around yeah her getting it but definitely yeah that was a great scene great scene so now it's getting to be more chaotic though they're running through halls she bumps into course dundarian comes saves her chucks the sword which is yeah. fantastic but yeah. then he loses his sword mm-hmm. which is big because then he starts getting attacked a little bit yep and at one point he even uh blocks the hallway you talked about uh religion he gets in like a christ-like pose he's holding the wall and l- basically letting them stab him so, so that Arya can have more time yeah. to run so we have hodor Right, hold yeah. the door. Yeah. So he had to hold the door. We have barric. He had to barricade. Oh, is that where it comes yeah. from? We're right? gonna find that out next. So he episode. had to barricade. <laughs> that's barricade where, the hall. That's where Bran went. He went to go tell oh, barric barricade but, the door. Oh, we couldn't see Barrick's eyes very well because <laughs> Barrick's eyes would have been white. <laughs> and, and then Barrick. That's why he's he only had to barricade the hall. That's that's uh, yeah. That's Brand. why he's Bran o- was barricading. He's only said Barrick the entire. Oh wait, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, okay, he never didn't. Mind. No. Um. So yeah, he had to barricade. Uh, so that they could get going, and and she wanted to save him. Yeah, and the um, hound picked up Arya. Said, no, 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 just don't be stupid. Yeah, yeah, and that's what he was to to serve. He had to save her. He finally saved her again, and it was saving her at the right time because they go into this room, let Barrick back in because Barrick gets away somehow. I don't know how he's getting <laughs> stabbed all like crazy, but this guy's been stabbed his whole life. Yeah, so used to it. Gets into the room and there's Melisandre for some reason. Again. Again. She shows up in random places in a spot she's supposed to be in, though. Yep. And uh, Lord of Light needs her there. She needs to be there. First time she's seen Arya since season three. And she did tell Arya, I'll see you again. Right. And she told Arya, I can tell you're going to close many eyes. She said brown eyes, blue eyes, green eyes the first time. It would have been great if the original line had ended with blue eyes because this time it ended with blue eyes. But still. It's a great moment where... I don't think it matters. No. Everybody thinks it matters. <laughs> I don't no, think it, it matters. It would have just been a cool coincidence, but they are they're, they're doing another callback. It's another thing we saw from a previous season. You're saying, you know, season one had the, the line of not today. That's what she says. That was what Sirio told Arya when they were training with swords. That's another thing Melisandre says to Arya is, you know, not today. It's like she's giving her the pep talk of you You have to be the one to pull this off. Kind of like you're the only one who can maybe get the jump. 
yeah. on the Night King. So I got to admit, it's been fantastic going through season one. If you've just seen episode three, try to watch some of season one and maybe just Arya scenes because a lot of what happens in episode three has happened in the first season where you've had the moment of fighting the, the what you just uh, explained, but also the point him with the... Yeah. The, the, the needle part. She tells Sansa the same yep, thing. Same thing John so told her when he gave her There's needle. just little parts like that. The and de- how, how she kind of, her character arc, it was almost the same situation. I'm shaking. Holy crap. <laughs> so almost the same situation where um, like her character arc in season one is almost as similar as just in one episode. Yeah. So she goes through all like the, almost like, the same exact stuff. And she's like strong. She's weak. She's strong. Like it's crazy. Also the dagger. That yes. she eventually uses first makes its appearance back in season one. Right. That dagger has importance throughout the entire series. Right. Little finger. Yeah. And eventually ends up in Arya. Bran gave it to Arya last season. So, yep. yeah, there's all kinds of great callbacks, great foreshadowing. That's why this show is so great. Even if it takes seasons to pay off, so much stuff does pay off eventually. Right. So, now this, this the eyes thing, just really quick. So... And I just thought of this. I didn't write this down. I just was thinking, okay, she has the brown eyes, green eyes, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to, maybe I should say this after. I mean, I don't know. She's supposed to use that dagger, I feel, to kill brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes, right? Could so she be. kills Littlefinger with that dagger, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Night King. Night King. Are you saying there's one pair of eyes? Obviously, left? everybody listening to this knows the Night King dies from Arya. Yeah. Yeah. We'll so talk about that. So you're saying then maybe Cersei's the last pair of eyes? Does she have green? I think no, Littlefinger has green eyes. Oh. So brown eyes. I'm not sure who that is. But if if anybody wants to get on that that page, maybe the sword has to be used to kill the brown eye blue. You know, maybe that's it. Could maybe be. there's a brown eye. Maybe it's Jon Snow. Maybe it's the Hound. I don't know. Who was on her list once upon a time before they became buddies? I got some things to think about for our next couple episodes with Game of Thrones, so I'll bring that up coming up. All right. So now she's running around. We we lose track of her. She's running around. Now we go kind of backtrack to a probably important scene where uh, the dragons have fallen John crashes his dragon. Everybody's mm-hmm. wondering if that dragon's dead. Um, I was he, I was concerned. Yeah, but he crash lands. Like his, uh, yeah, he took some bites probably, but he crash lands. And dragons so. are supposed to be incredibly tough. Yeah, tough hides. Yeah, as the, you see, yeah, and later on when when Drogo is getting stabbed like crazy. So yeah, so yeah, she, Danny, and this is interesting with John's whole arc in this this episode is that John is always one step behind. Where, yes, we're used to kind of John being an idiot at times, right? Putting too much trust in people, all that kind of stuff. But John always comes out the hero. Yeah, he always John comes is, out uh, right. He's the classic reluctant leader. He, he he doesn't really want to be in charge, right? But he finds himself in situations where he's kind of forced to be the leader. Yeah. So he crashes his dragon, and then he sees the Night King and realizes. I got to go kill him. So he's mm-hmm. running after the Night King, and then Danny comes up with the dragon. Draconis tells him to spit fire. Fire like crazy. 
they kind of have like a little music moment where it's yeah. almost like, oh, show's over. And this is where we're trying to think like, oh, maybe the show is over, but he doesn't die from fire. Yeah, which they did set up last week of asking Bran, does Dragonfire kill Night King? He said, I don't know. No one's ever tried it. Yeah. So now someone's tried it and we find out. Doesn't work. Does not work. Which makes sense. I think it shouldn't work. Yeah. I think that'd be too cheap. Yeah. So it would have been an easy, easy way, kind of unsatisfying way to kill yeah. him. So Very. Yeah, yeah, you figured he was going to come walking out of it. Yeah. So now Danny has failed, right? Basically, yeah. That was her, that was her big chance. And what yeah. happened to Danny after that? The Night King then got out an ice spear. Yes, that's what happened. Okay. Pulled a pulled a classic Eli Manning overthrew. Right, and missed her. That just—he was so much closer to this one. Yeah, and he totally misses it. Well, well, you think he was aiming for Danny? He could have been because Danny's a more skilled rider. And yeah, you'd probably want to kill her over the dragons. Yeah, she was probably trying to kill him. Kill her. Yeah, because yeah, then I don't know what the dragons would do. I don't think he cares do. about a dragon right now. He wants to kill the people. Yeah, I don't know. I and mean, you don't know what the dragons would do once they lose their mother. We don't know exactly. So. True. So she goes off, runs away, whatever. She goes mm-hmm. wherever she's going. Now John is chasing the Night King. Yeah. And the biggest moment in the show comes up when you realize that all men must die and all men must serve the Night King, pretty much. Yeah. All that he raises his hands in a classic way, <laughs> both of them up, and rise. So he rises all of his dead That was army. another frustrating part, too, of like, oh, like, what a coward. He wouldn't even fight John. Like, I want him to fight John. He just raises the dead to fight for him. He knows how strong. He's watched John for so long kill so many of his people and whatever he's yeah, seen and, him fight he does not want to fight him yeah i don't want to fight that guy because people have brought that up too of how come they didn't have a big epic battle and the night king has stared he's him not down stupid maybe the night king realizes yeah that ultimately he's not as great of a warrior right. it might just be that he has this these powers that doesn't necessarily mean Make, he's a skilled yeah. swordsman he's more he might of a Tyrion. Just, yeah, he might just think well john would beat me in battle so, but i have endless amounts of servants yeah to come after it's, you it totally makes sense that they didn't have a big fight scene for yeah. sure because he's watched him from mountaintops he's watched him kill his his um whatever his uh sergeants i don't know what you call him uh <laughs> it's just like army of like powerful ones that we never yeah. saw fight i think we should have seen him fight a little bit but so he has that those guys and he's killed those guys he's seen him do it and he's yeah. been like oh well this guy can fight it makes total sense yeah, then don't don't have a big fight. The, the, yeah, the Night King, his whole thing is is he's uh, he's using the dead as his servants, and that's why to start the battle, he's hanging way back. Yeah, he's, he's not he's, stupid. He's not out in the front his line. His plan yeah. is don't be stupid. Yeah, where the humans are like, oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, and he Which did, way do I go? He did get a little cocky because he ultimately, you know, he's gonna do the finishing blow on uh on the three eyed raven. But yep. but everything else before that was just have the the whites do it for him. Even the white walkers were hanging back. Mm-hmm. They just hang back and watch. And Yeah, so we kind of have a moment where we're just kind of seeing people and, and it was uh, not chaotic for a while. And then you just see the slow rise and then the hordes just keep coming more and more because the dead are not undead. Yeah. Even, so there's just even more and more. Now you're even, fighting people 
Now it's just, and now it's really chaotic because you're fighting people that you've seen before, probably. It shows uh, Ed and uh, Rihanna oh, Mormont's man. eyes well, open eyes as opening. blue. Yeah. yeah, that was brutal. That that bummed me out. I'm glad they didn't show Ed and Liana um, getting killed again. Yeah. Like, I, I could not deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Brienne cutting their heads off or something. Oh, God. That would have been so, no. Or, yeah. Sam killing Ed. <laughs> uh, no, Sam was just laying on the ground, acting dead, but stabbing. So <laughs> And crying. And crying. So John somehow gets out of uh, 500 coming at him. <laughs> Whatever. So he just did the, the classic swing the sword mode in a circle. Yeah, his special move. His special move. Um, yeah, he, he, had a, he had a power up when he <laughs> fell. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, he he starts running through the castle, right? So he gets out of there, starts running through the castle. Danny loses her dragon. I mean, we think we can go through this a little bit yeah. quicker. Um, she ends up on the ground. Mormont starts helping her, which yeah. is great because yeah. you see in a moment before he runs away for some reason, way early, and that makes sense that he gets there on time to save her. Mm-hmm. So they're fighting. Everybody else is just cornered fighting, and John who has always been a person to help people doesn't stop to help anybody because he knows from the beginning, the night King. Yeah. You kill the night King, you defeat everybody pretty much. And we talked about their plan. Ultimately they just, they knew that, yeah, they had to get him that we need him to reveal himself and then kill him. Cause I think they, they probably figured there was no chance of defeating the army. Just, you just got to kill the Night King. Right. And it became more and more apparent as the episode went on. There's no defeating the army. Right. That. And that's where Danny. it took her a while to realize that. She wanted to save everybody else, but she should have gone after the Night King. It was so obvious. Yeah. But that's just what happens in war. Things don't get thought out, right? You're, you're in war. Like, it made total sense that nothing worked out the way they wanted it to. And it made total sense what's going to happen next, in that John is not going to be the hero. Mm-hmm. So. Hero number one is Theon. Theon. Honestly. Completes his character arc. Of, oh, my God. It, I think redemption has been a big theme. Right. Jamie, Theon, Jorah, we, who just mentioned, you know, he came back to serve. He had spied on her at one point and uh, lived to regret it. The woman he loved, uh, he needed to redeem himself. He did. And, yeah, Theon gets uh, one last great moment. Oh man, he fought off everyone. You wanted to see him just go god mode. Yeah. Easily. He was and just fighting everybody off. Every last arrow had been fired protecting Bran. And then it just got to a point though. They're surrounded. What else can you do then? You got to at least try to kill the Night King. Right. So Bran has the moment where he tells him, "Thank you pretty yeah, much. You're a good man. You're a good man." And that's all Theon's been wanting to hear for so many years yeah, since he, he went against the Starks. Yeah, he, he tried to kill Bran. He was hunting him down. But he let yeah. Bran go. Yeah. Right? Ultimately, well, they got he away. He lost them. He like, got away. And then he, and... He, uh, he burned children and pretended that they were yeah. Bran. That's in yeah, season he two, did a lot he of... He was just terrible. That's the thing is you love him, you hate him, you love him, you hate him, That's you hate a lot him, of these stupid, characters. whatever. Yeah. But I think Theon's the biggest. Biggest uh, emotional... Trip because yeah. in season one he's such a cocky little guy. Yeah, and then he gets kind of humbled and yeah, then there's a broken br- down, brutal broken torture. Down. That part of the show, yeah, yeah that's so a part. That goes I thought on too his long. his death was fitting. 
it was great. Mm-hmm. It was great that he saved Bran. It was great that he was yeah. there to protect Bran. And I think Bran knew that he was going to die maybe. Maybe he knows yeah. he's going to die and he says, you need to be by me to, to know that this is what you needed to do to and, be, you know, respected, I guess. And maybe that Theon charge bought them the extra few seconds they needed for Arya. Right. That's where Bran, I think, knew all this plan. Like, he put people in certain spots because he knew what had to happen. He knew Arya would be slowed down. Is he a little say. bit like Doctor Strange in Avengers, where yeah. he's like, I've I've ran 14 million scenarios, and this is the only one yeah. that works? No, really. I, yeah, it it's like be. Avengers Endgame. Not Endgame, but the but yeah, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. Where, yeah, you have this massive beast of a man who you can't beat, and there's only one way to beat him. I haven't seen Endgame, but who I haven't knows? either. But... So, yeah, I, I, I really, honestly, and... I'll just talk about it now. I honestly think Bran, and I think I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think Bran was really knew that my theory is Bran knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen to everybody. So he had to give the, the dagger to, to Arya. He had mm-hmm. to put himself in that spot and he had to tell, you know, Theon, boost him up to buy the time. Yeah. And I just really think he, he, when he went away, where did he go? Well, I don't know. He might've been trying to help. In certain spots, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe he flying crows at people. At at people, who knows? Maybe he had to go back in time and let some of these people know, right? Like you said happen. earlier. So, so I really think he had a big part in it. And a lot of people are like, "What's Brand for? What is he? He's useless." Well, think more a little bit more deeper and how what he can actually do and and change and how he changed Hodor. And like you said, he yeah. probably went back in the past, went in some people's minds, whispered, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. made the Mad King mad. I believe that's my Ooh. eyes, but maybe we'll hear about that in a new series. So Theon dies in a uh, very uncertain, he gets off no hits, but Theon's not a great warrior. No, um, just, he just, just, he just goes for broke man. with a spear charge. Just hopes, hopes to get lucky. Night King yeah. sidesteps that. No problem. So then we're, uh, we're at the last part, right? Where John's kind of cornered. Yeah, he's being kind of pinned down. Right. John's fought through everything. He had, um, I think, a, a ton of bricks fall on him, but he got right back up. <laughs> and uh, with Viserion shooting the blue fire, it did look so cool the way he had his, Viserion's neck was bitten out, and you could oh, see yeah. like the fire, the fire kind coming, of yeah. leaking out the sides. That, that was, was great. A great touch. Yeah, the, I mean, a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. They yeah. said we never saw the dragons because it cost so much. Yeah. Those dragons look amazing. There's even rumors of the whole no elephants is kind of a joke from the the uh CGI team of like we just we can't we afford can't, it. We can't, we, can't, do it we can't do elephants. It's no Dumbo was too much. <laughs> yeah. We can't do any more elephants. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm done doing elephants. Dumbo I, Dumbo was such a you know, we can't. We're, do, we're <laughs> doing great. 80 minute episodes of dragons. Do you have any idea how much what? CGI this yeah. is? Okay, we'll okay. You want ghosts? We'll show them once. We'll show them just <laughs> once, please, because ghosts cost a lot too. I I just need to know ghost is alive. Ghost is alive. If they just need to cut to him being alive, like once an episode, even if it's just for two seconds, and then I'll True. then I'll sleep better at night. <laughs> I'm sick of seeing dogs die. Yeah. Um. So we're back to John. He's getting cornered. It lo- he tries to run out, which a lot of people thought they saw Arya. Like I've heard that. Too, which I don't think you, I don't, yeah, I, I've I re- looked back I on this a lot. And I didn't see. It. I didn't see Arya. 
So she's obviously running on top of buildings or doing something like that, um, being stealthy. Yeah. So we get the Night King walking slowly. The epic music. The music was so perfect for all oh, that. Oh, it was amazing. I yeah. want that as my ringtone. Yeah. Just that <laughs> slow kind of piano music. Oh, man. It was really good. Yeah. So he gets up to, to Bran. Kind of has a moment with him. Yeah, and and this is and, and people this is say, where you where you cue the music. Yeah, hello, <laughs> is it me you're looking for? Is that what the song? I can was? see it in your eyes. I can <laughs> see it in your soul. I don't remember those lyrics. <laughs> That's what I heard in my oh. head. Totally heard it in my head. I'm like, oh my god, come on, <laughs> cheesy, but it was fine. Cause he even like wink, like turns his head, like dun dun dun. I don't know if it was quite Larry David moment. Quite Larry David. You uh, could, you could put it. I did that. watch the, another Larry David moment with Bran. I did watch <laughs> the behind the scenes, and the guy said uh, it's only like the second time he even used the composer for the show, used piano, because yeah. he likes to use instruments that actually would have not. I know it's fantasy, but that would have existed in like medieval times oh yeah that's nice so he used piano cool. uh for this one and back when um cersei blew up the uh oh right keep, that was the other yeah, time the yeah. prince tom just falls in. that's yeah. such a great moment but i thought yeah it was interesting and it worked very well in this uh in this moment of, yeah so we saw the night king walking up to bran and he's very slow and methodical as he's approaching him to kill him. But this is fitting with everything we've seen from the Night King so far. Is he's, he's never one to, you know... We, run. They're, yeah, they're saying, why don't you just run in and stab him? He doesn't well, have to run. He has all his... He's surrounded by his people. Yeah, and he's, he's maybe he's a little overconfident. He's, yeah. he's, he thinks he's won. Everything's you know, worked his way. Yeah, he's overrun Winterfell. Theon just died. That was the last chance they had of defeating him. So he's going to take Bran out. And that's where you get the great scene, too, of they cut to the one White Walker and his hair move just a little bit because stealth Arya's coming, flying right. in. Yeah. And um, everybody's Air Arya, the Air Arya shirt. We talked yeah. about that. But um, how does she jump? I don't know. Does it matter? I don't care. Not really. Uh, I think the Weirwood tree is actually closer to buildings than you think. So she could jump off a building. Yeah, I sure. thought she was supposed to have come out of like a, a window or something or a doorway there because they're standing pretty close to a wall. Yeah, so uh, from all the maps I've looked, I've looked at a lot of maps trying to mm. figure it out. And what what I've pieced together is that based off of even the, the little app game, I saw a picture on that. And the Weirwood tree is very close to a building. So I yeah. would think that she could jump off of a building from that far. Yeah. So And she's ninja. She's yeah. Ninja Arya. Like, yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. It, She's stealthy. It was a, she could run past them because she can sneak up on John. Yeah. By the Weirwood tree. And it was a great moment to, uh, to have her. You see from the, the Night King, her coming in from behind. And you think like she's going to stab him. And then he, the way he quick turns and catches her because it's like, yeah. Oh. Because he's, he's, uh, he's got one hand on her neck and the other hand on her hand with the dagger. So you. So it seems like she's pretty much done for. He caught her. But so we also learned when she sparred against Brienne, she's got some dagger tricks. She's got some dagger tricks for sure. She's got some moves. She pulls one out here. Like Mick Jagger. <laughs> moves like Jagger, drops the dagger, stabs him right in the stomach. 
defeats the Night King. It's just everything we went through, all the horribleness. There's relief. There's joy. They actually won the Great War. So Bran, another thing where Bran, I think, knew everything. Bran was just staring at him and just looking up. Like, he knew he had to look there because Arya was going to come in, so he didn't want to give anything up. Yeah, don't break eye contact or just... Don't break eye contact. There you go. He knew... Come on. Bran knows everything. It would have been funny if he looked over the Night King's shoulder and that, that's what gave it away. <laughs> Turn around. Oh, sorry. That sorry would, no, that would, that's the Larry David version. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I didn't look. Pretty I didn't deep. look. Yeah, I didn't. No, I didn't, I didn't do it. There was no, there was no luck. There was no luck. <laughs> so, yeah, we end on an epic scene there. Um, Kind of everybody realizes what happens. Everything shatters. Everybody goes away. Everything crumbles. Yeah, I like the way too. Viserion died. He he kind of stood up like he was going to breathe fire at at John one last time, and then all of a sudden it's just it's almost like someone just like broke his neck. He kind of just like snaps and oh, falls yeah, down. Cool. Yeah, and you used to see bodies falling everywhere. Yeah. And we really didn't talk about the crypts. Uh, the, the crypts came back to life when when it, it turned out the safe crypts where it's safe was words. not safe. And everybody was saying how Starks are are encased in iron. Well, I don't think all of them are. Only the main ones. So we didn't yeah. see the main ones. We didn't see Ned come back to life. No. And they were um Tyrion and Sansa were behind, I believe, Ned's um Ned's remains grave. Or yeah, because he so, had his like bones sent back in right. the season. So one. he didn't come out because he's encased in iron and he can't. That's just what it is. But yeah. other people were coming through the walls as in they Which, were buried. That is one thing that's like everybody saw coming. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Gilly, Gilly's alive. Gilly, mm-hmm. Sam, Sam Jr. is alive. Yeah. Tyrion's still alive. Sansa's yeah. still alive. Mm-hmm. Actually, they actually had a good moment where I think they're going to fall in love. Um, maybe. But maybe. We'll see. Yeah. That was, uh, they had great conversation. Then, I uh, thought it was very interesting seeing um, No Nuts. <laughs> Which one? Varys? Varys. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing Varys, um, I didn't know if you meant Varys or Grey Worm, yeah, or Grey all Worms the Unsullied or Theon, but <laughs> um, so Varys, I thought it was a pretty telling thing seeing him protecting the children, but not really mm-hmm. protecting the children, just sitting there with the children, because mm-hmm. he says early with Ned in season one, Ned asked him why didn't you fight? Why didn't you, why didn't you? Because he said, look at me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fight anybody. I'm not going to take anybody down. Yeah. I know what I need to do. And he's always a step ahead. That's the thing is Littlefinger seemed like he was always a step ahead, but Varys has been very smart. He's been, could he end up on a throne? Maybe. That's his goal. His goal is to get there, I think. But, so that is another wild card, I, I believe. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. But it's just interesting how he had that moment where Tyrion just looked at him like, aren't you going to help? And mm-hmm. he's like, no. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything because I know my place. Yeah, like Sansa said, we're down here because we can't fight. And despite Tyrion thinking he could have done something, yeah, they're, they're the people that are, they're there for their minds. Right. They're, they're supposed to be strategizing and that's their role. They're not warriors. Right. So nobody else really dies. 
Yeah, no one too major died. Like no one whose we all arc thought wasn't they would. complete. Yeah, like Jorah was a sad one. Yes, Theon. The but it did feel like their arcs were complete by them mm. dying. Right. Uh, Grey Worm. I'm I'm shocked he lived. He was one I thought was dead for sure. I kind of worried. Yeah, just him and that lady. Him and Missandei are gonna. I don't think it's done. Even, I don't think he's done. Even yeah. He, he could still he could so i mean there's still the, another battle to come but oh, God, there's but it's like in yeah, an 80s action movie when the cop says you know i retire tomorrow and then he gets shot it's like he was they were they're planning retirement way too much yeah they should have casted danny glover you're right yeah danny glover would have been a much better unsullied yeah. captain just but, called it lethal weapon um was I right with that? Lethal weapon? Yeah, lethal yeah. weapon. It's I just, get them it would just be sometimes. a sword instead of a gun, though. Right. So, yeah, nobody really dies. But I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, and I mean, they did some... They killed off, like, five characters or so There's that had their death scenes, so... But that's the thing, is, like, this war... Everybody thought the Night King was so important, but th- I don't think this war is the is the important war. Just yeah. like the Battle of the Bastards wasn't an important war, where the Lord of Light, they thought, I mean, this was their purpose, the Lord of Light, is, was this purpose, obviously. All, all of them died. Mm-hmm. All, of, all of the Lord of Light people are, are kind of gone. Because There's more in Essos, probably. But, but yeah, it's just interesting to me, is that everybody wanted to know, what's the purpose of the Night King? Does he want to be on a throne? Does he want to just get to Winterfell and save some, his wife or whatever, some lady he loved? Yeah. You know what? He was created. By the children of the forest, mm-hmm. next or to a weirwood attached corn. children of corn attached to a weirwood tree, with a dagger. Of what drink, whatever it was, with that dagger, into his chest, mm-hmm. right, right next to a weirwood tree. His purpose was to kill men. Yep, from the children of the forest. Yeah. So that was his purpose. That's why he was created. Why in the world would he have any other purpose? So the only reason he is coming down is to kill men. Yeah. That's, only, that's his only purpose. So if he, if he wins that war, guess what he's doing? He's not staying in Winterfell. He's not digging a hole to find a woman. He's going to kill people. He wants to control everything. He yeah. wants to have one long night and kill all men. Not only kill men, kill the three-eyed raven so that the, the records of man don't even exist anymore. Right. He'd be like wiping that, out their all their whole existence and that was the whole purpose of that that was the whole whole thing of when they were introduced that's how we we learned about this and when people are like saying that that drives me nuts because are you watching the show that's been you know what i mean the biggest criticism because i i did end up listening at work when when i wasn't listening to sports i listened to a couple just random game of thrones podcasts and was looking at social media what people are saying and like there's a ton of people complaining about the night king dying already and saying he, he was Snoke. He served no purpose other than just to look like a cool bad guy and then get killed. He but, served no purpose. His purpose was just to kill men. Yeah, it's no purpose. Did you listen to the show? Did you watch the show? His purpose was to kill men. That's uh, all it was. Why, uh, why are anybody thinking above this? They want some like big explanation, some big fight, some big lightsaber war. No. Why yeah. does it have to be that all the time? That just drives me nuts. Why can't you just get emotionally set into this show and watch and understand and, and understand the history, I guess, because that's, that's the reason. He was there to kill men. 
He didn't succeed, obviously. Yeah. There's a bigger war coming up. So I wrote a, my senior thesis. <laughs> okay. Titled, Why Circe Had to Outlive the Night King. Okay. Okay. So now go, we're moving on to the next episode. Right? I'm gonna go we're, a little. Well, I'm gonna go a little deep dive here, and this is me getting nerdy and kind of going into the fantasy genre. And I'll tell you why Cersei outliving the Night King is important. So, okay, so just bear with me for a few minutes. Oh no, we got a few minutes left. Okay. All right. So George R. R. Martin. He's obviously inspired by J. R. R. Tolkien. Because everyone who does fantasy is inspired by Tolkien. He made it, he put fantasy into the mainstream. It's impossible not to be inspired. So Tolkien fought in World War I, and he was trained as a codebreaker for World War II, but ended up not serving. So his stories are inspired by world wars. He wrote The Hobbit in 1937. He wrote Lord of the Rings, or was published in 37. He wrote Lord of the Rings between 37 and 49. It came out in the 50s. So his stories are classic good versus evil. And when you look at Lord of the Rings, you get different factions of men, elves, dwarves. They've all had conflicts in the past. They're putting that aside because they have to be on the same side to fight true evil. That's, that's what the world wars were. Yeah. You have especially countries like England and France. We've had constant conflict throughout our existence but now there's true evil we have to be allies we're on the side of good so the problem with this is because that is like tolkien's work is like the fantasy bible everyone who does fantasy wants to make it good versus evil and we've seen it a million times before but what's great about game of thrones is it's not going to just tell that same story is george rr R. martin took it to a different place where the evil is other people. People are greedy. They have a desire for power. They want vengeance. That's what drives them. And also when they made this into a show, they even chose to name the show Game of Thrones, even though the books are called A Song of Ice and Fire. But the first book is A Game of Thrones because that's really what summarizes the show well. It's a Game of Thrones. It's, it's competing in this game for power and what everybody, the terrible things they do for that power and it also i mean this fantasy that tolkien did is it's decades old it's a different generation it's going to be more family friendly it seems you know more for kids this show is not this is show is a hard rated r it terrible things happen to a lot of people so our well, r, r has changed it's probably ma yeah yeah okay really yeah, for when TV. you think of it, for season one is definitely MA. Yeah. It, you got to watch it late night, no kids around. Put the kids to bed when you watch this. So what drives all these characters with desire for power and greed, even with the looming threat of the Night King and the Long Night, and they keep saying that winter is coming, that's been teased since the beginning of the show. But despite that, everyone says, well, the Night King, he should have been the last bad guy standing. It's not like everybody has been treating this threat like it's the most important thing. They haven't been banding together since season one to plan for the Night King. They're still focused on the throne. There's, and even now at this point, when Cersei has seen a White Walker that doesn't, or seen a White that doesn't change anything, her and Euron and the Golden Company are still just, they still just care about the throne. So I think he, George R. R. Martin. His story, it had to have 
the final conflict be with a human because otherwise it's kind of going against everything he set up it would just turn into classic fantasy tropes of good versus evil hey look Cersei's a good person now because she has to fight evil so is Euron that's not the way this is it's not going to be John is Aragorn the reluctant king uh the night king is uh Sauron and he leads the people to this victory and I love I love uh uh, Lord of the Rings, but it's it's different. It's a different fantasy story. This is so much more about the human interaction that that's why a human has to be the final enemy we face. So now that the Night King's out of the picture, is you know who the people that are actually on the side of good have been, the ones who fought the Night King, but there's still terrible people left in the world. And now we'll see what happens to Cersei and the throne and what even happens then is the throne so tempting that someone like Daenerys when she gets it is she still the good righteous person that she's been or tried to be throughout the show mm-hmm. or is it that the throne corrupts everyone the power corrupts everybody that you, you just can't help but become kind of even more power power hungry that you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So that's that's my feelings. Get off my soapbox now. But that's why I feel like the show wouldn't be true to its roots if they had made the Night King the final bad guy for everyone to fight. Job's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, very well put. Like that's that's my thought too. Really, is that the Night King's not very important. Yeah. What's yeah. important is this it kind of like a microcosm of a whole heart earth mm-hmm. where you kill one bad person there's always going to be bad people unfortunately. So, yes, that's and that's the thing is we're not going to end this and there's not going to be bad people. There's still going to be bad people. Like that's why I believe also that they didn't kill off as many people because now you have kind of this chaos of Jamie, Tyrion, yeah. Sansa, Arya now. She might get power hungry. John, who's failed now, now he wants to probably yeah. rise back up and become king of the north, whatever. And, and Danny, really, I mean, I think that's the main the main people. Where Bran is probably he's probably done his part. Uh, I don't know. We'll still see him, I believe, yeah. or maybe he'll stay in Winterfell and be the the Stark in Winterfell for now because you know that's so a Stark always, always has to stuff. be. Yeah. So, yeah, I I do believe now with all these people in it it makes it way more interesting for three episodes. Yeah. Because now, when they get there, do all of them want to fight together? Or does it become one chaotic war that they all kill each other? It could be. It could it, be There's that a th- lot more options available that you kept all these people yeah. alive. Yeah, and it could be that people could turn on each other. Uh, yeah, we don't know where, where their alliances r- really are. Uh, you know, with... It does show that these people have some good in them, that they want to fight the Night King. But there's a lot there's of history been, yeah. between, you know, is Jamie going to go kill his twin sister? Will, be, will he be able to do it if, it if the moment arises? You know, there's a, yeah, there's a ton of stuff in play now that we really, I have no idea how this is going to end. Right. And then you look at Euron. Yeah. Euron's in a perfect spot. Yeah. Like, he could just murder Cersei and just be king. Like, wh- why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't he want? That's what he wants. He wants power. Yeah. Everybody wants power. Yeah. That's Let's just admit it. As good as all these people are, they want power. 
Yeah, that's the driving force of the show is people do anything to get that throne. Right. That's all they care about. And it goes back to the politics, which people wish it was the whole time. Well, you needed this little part, I think, of yeah. this supernatural part for sure because there's, there's, because there's all these politics, there's still religion. And I think it's very good. It pulls at everybody's strings um, emotionally and, and whatever they, they believe in and whatnot. It, it brings everything together. So it brings in everybody. That's why this show is huge because every, anybody can watch this show and pick out parts that they love about it mm-hmm. or, or I guess uh, with themes, yeah. certain themes. So certain it has, themes, yeah, it has we'll a lot of different and, themes. It's, yeah. It has the women's rights kind of stuff. It has the power-hungry men versus the women. Um, it has all that stuff, which we're, we're seeing now in our society. Um, the war stuff, which we're seeing all the time. But, and then the religion versus politics stuff, where mm-hmm. you're stupid religion, you're stupid politics. You know, that's just now religion kind of won on this part. But now politics are going to come back up and, and well, who's going to take the throne? We've seen Cersei have to fight off the High Sparrow. That was one of... Oh, man. Of yeah, yeah. That's another, another part. Believers versus non-believers. That's been Lord of the Light. Davos was always critical of of that. No, so, yeah. Andrew, yep. Yeah, there's always been all these different things going on that a lot... a lot. Yeah, like you said, a lot of different themes in the show. And yeah, I think uh, just making the Night King the final, the final boss of the game... Would have would have been abandoning. It would have came up short. It would have been abandoning all this stuff. Everybody would have been disappointed because it would have ended that way, and this show would have ended up flat, and everybody would have hated it. Now yeah. it's going to end up epic. Yeah. Let's just admit that. Because if this had been the final episode, like it, in some ways that was my first reaction when when it ended was that felt like it could have been the final episode. I think just because, like I said, we're conditioned for the classic good versus evil, but I'm glad there's still more story to tell. I'm glad there's still. I don't know, about four hours worth of, of story to tell. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I really, uh, I, I, I could see it going in a ton of different directions, which is why why the show's so good. Yeah. So, we've done a lot. We've said a lot. <laughs> said this a is long, a very long episode. Longest Thanks episode for, ever. If you stayed through this, thank you. <laughs> um, we're not going to make this two parts. <laughs> no, just release it as is. Uh, I did want to kind of go into the next couple episodes, but I think we went through enough. We, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think our I think we talked as long voices, as the episode was. Yeah, I think we've talked fifty episodes worth. Yeah. So, um, enjoy the next couple. They're all an hour and a half long, I believe. Yeah. Um, we'll probably have set up, and then the Miguel director is directing episode six. Is it the guy who just did this one? Yes. Uh, so it's what it's four. No, five. Sorry. So episode five is probably another war one. So get ready for that one. Yeah, I could see this being a little, re- little set up. regrouping and mm-hmm. setting up. And then five is probably a war. And then six might be the aftermath of the war. So when do we see wildfire? When do we see dragon weapons? When do we... What's Kyburn been up to? What's his new... Where's Is Bronn going to kill Tyrion? Oh, that's a great thing Jamie. too. Yeah. Would he turn on... When you rewatch those seasons, he's been he's such, such a, good friends with the both of them. That was such a big moment. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. Can't to wait. be continued. Cannot wait. Yeah, for sure. So, we've covered a lot. The Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks won. Woo. All right. How about that? Let's get Brogdon back. Yeah. Things looking good. So, Packers, Brewers, Bucks, 
we covered sports. We covered nerdism. We even mm. covered some video games. Yeah. Um, we're well-rounded guys, for sure. Yeah. Lucky for any lady. Yeah. We have things we like, and we're really into it. Yeah. Really into it. Like, too far into it, probably. No. No. Game of Thrones is great. Yeah, great talk, Mike. I'm glad I waited for you. Yeah. Andy would have been... I think Andy would have been more on, on the other side, and it would have derailed you. I, I'm uh, glad you got all your thoughts had, out, honestly. I had so many notes on this. I, that's, that's I didn't. What even, I did. Honestly, I didn't even look at my notes. I was just running off of you because it was just I was just thinking of everything. You just re-ran the episode right in my head. It I was did, great. I did watch it three times, and I spent some time at work even just podcast, <laughs> listening to podcasts and taking notes. But yeah. I'm exhausted now. need a, a nap. And possibly uh, orange vanilla coke. Orange vanilla coke brought to you by Kingsford. <laughs> We're out. See you later, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Perhaps I can give you justice. This episode can be longer. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website, questionabletoreturn.com. Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at QuestionableToReturn. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash QuestionableToReturn. Follow each of the guys on Twitter. For Andy, at Andy, the number 9, M-A-N. Mike, at Mike R. Daly. And Pete, at P, Cozy with a K, Junior, J-R. Please consider leaving us a five-star review as well as sharing us with someone you know.